Hello everyone and welcome back to the Phantom Galaxy. I'm your host Nathan Barrowball and tonight I'm joined with Chris Durham and Jason Cupler. Guys, how are you doing tonight? Doing well. Very, very good. Tonight we have an episode, the last time you heard from us was the episode for streaming. And in a, in a sense this is kind of a streaming episode, probably doubles as a streaming episode and sort of a remembrance episode for... George Romero, who passed away not too long ago. Uh, and before we start, uh, mentioned this on the Facebook page. I'm going to mention it again. Uh, in that last episode, the streaming episode, we read a letter from a, a fan of the show and a friend of the show, uh, Iva Lee, who, and we had we had no way of knowing, who about a week after that actually uh, passed away, kind of suddenly. Mm-hmm. And... Um, leaves behind some grandkids and uh, mm-hmm. we had something on the Facebook I will repost it uh, that's a, a place where you can give money for her kids Chris did you want to say anything else uh, you were you were a close friend of hers yeah she uh, she was very special to me she was just a fantastic friend I really felt like kind of losing like a family member almost um, I've known her for over 12 years now at my job uh, that's where I met her and uh, she always was just hilarious had crazy things to say as you could tell from that letter she had a very unique sense of humor which we got a surprising yeah. amount of fe- about the most feedback I've gotten about anything on this <laughs> show was from her letter and a lot of people were saying hey you she maybe she should be a regular and we were actually in the process of asking her about doing a little a little segment which obviously yeah. will never come to pass but uh, mm-hmm. and uh, the, you mentioned her grandkids so uh, um, she'd been actually having her three grandsons live with her the past year or so. Um, and she's just basically taking care of them. So really the, uh, that is for continuing their education. Um, uh, so if anybody feels like donating anything, please feel free. Um, I really love the kids and, um, it would just be good to honor her in that way if, if you, if you feel led to. Um, but she will definitely be missed. Special lady. <laughs> yeah. It's a, a, a sad, a sad, uh, occasion in that case and and again i don't typically promote things on the podcast in terms of of uh you know giving money mm-hmm. but we will have it in the show notes it's a it's a worthy cause and uh yeah just a a sad time so definitely uh an irreplaceable person mm-hmm. so uh really we're gonna continue kind of in that vein of <laughs> uh downbeat a little bit uh, with uh, passing around the, about around the same time of George Romero, mm-hmm. uh, it's probably there's, there's been a couple of uh, talents we've lost in that time too. Martin Landau was around the same I think mm-hmm. the same day actually, and Landau had a lot of interesting stuff. He did he had several Twilight Zones. Uh, a lot of people know him from playing uh, Bella Lugosi in yeah. Ed Wood. Yes, uh, classic role. Yeah. Won, won an award for that. So, um, but tonight we're here to talk about Romero, and it's kind of. Uh, the way this is going to double as a streaming episode is the fact that almost everything that he's done in some form is available, I think, on on streaming in some mm-hmm. way. You either can pay for it, but a lot, of, as we found, we were able to access a lot of what's out there, particularly some of his non-dead related stuff, yeah. mm-hmm. is available out on Netflix or Amazon or even YouTube mm-hmm. in a lot of cases. So we're going to be looking at all of that. And, you know, I'll say up front, stepping into it, uh, Ramirez is a guy who I, he will always, always be remembered for Night of the Living Dead. It's one of those yeah. things you can't ever take away from nope. somebody when they have a kind of classic of the genre. And yet, in a lot of ways, I remember seeing his movies over the years, but everything outside of that dead cycle, honestly, to me, Night of the Living Dead is not even my favorite movie of his. But there got to a point kind of later in his career where it's like, not everything was a hit, 
mm-hmm. by going back and rewatching, I'm like, this guy, he was definitely kind of an indie artist. I mean, he was sort of one of those mm-hmm. true blue independent guys. He did Absolutely. things the way he wanted to do them, kind of regardless of what everyone else thought about him. He didn't see the same kind of success, I think, as a George Lucas or a Coppola or somebody like or that. Or someone who, like Lynch, was definitely like he's kind of out there, does things, doesn't really care yeah, as yeah. much. In a way, I think Ramiro was just kind of content to be mm-hmm. who he was, and there were there were some factors that play into I think why he didn't quite you know become rich off of all of this. You know the way you would think the Godfather of the zombie movie would. Yeah. But, uh, and of course, I mean, Night of Living Dead is kind of the the starting place. But what do you guys? Any general thoughts about Ramiro before we start? Uh, one thing, uh, going through and watching a lot of these recently. To try and catch up, I think you're absolutely right. He definitely um, was more of an indie kind of on the fringes guy doing stuff he thought was interesting, and that was something I didn't really know about him before I started watching. Because you know, like everybody else, I was like, "Oh, this is the guy who did the you know the Dead series. He's a you know uh, famous director for that." And then I went back and watched some of his other movies, and it's definitely all of them have something unique about them, something interesting. Mm-hmm. So whether or not it was actually a great movie. It did have a unique perspective to it, so I think it was, there's a lot more to him than meets the eye if you just think of him as the godfather of the zombie, you know, movie. Yeah, he, he didn't just make a bunch of gory trash, you know. I mean, those are entertaining too, but he had, they're, they're almost allegories for different things, and they mm-hmm. were just, he would be very political and very social justice in a lot of his movies, especially the dead movies a little bit, and uh so he he just kind of yeah he did just kind of do what he wanted to do with them and uh, you can't fault anyone for that had a yeah. vision and stuck with it yeah and kind of defiantly so to the point where he's about the same place uh, at the end of his life making movies in PA on a dime <laughs> yeah. as he was at the beginning in, of his life in fact that's what I PA. remember reading something from Bloody Disgusting on how he was trying to make another of the dead movie and had a, had problems getting it funded. And uh, I'm thinking, well, how could that not get funded, you know? But, I mean, if he's doing what he wants to do and not doing what studios tell him, that's mm-hmm. probably one of the Yeah, it's kind of like how Terry Gilliam still has problems getting a movie funded in an age where, mm-hmm. you know, we have how many out within the chipmunk movies and yet you're <laughs> telling me that these guys with original vision can't get a movie made. But again, some the of emoji that's... movie. Originality is kind of like dead in Hollywood officially. Oh, yeah, man. yeah. Well, and... And doing it your own way. Because the the one thing is true. It's like with Ramiro, you never knew if that was going to pan out to a successful movie. And let's be honest, most of his movies, probably big budget or not big budget, probably never stood much of a chance. The ones outside the zombie cycle never stood much of a chance of being, I think, traditionally successful. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a good place to start talking about, I mean, just when you think about Night of the Living Dead, the original Night of the Living Dead, and what he accomplished there... It's such a different movie, I think, than what it spawned, than everything it spawned. Not just his mm-hmm. movies that followed it, but like the zombie now. Is, and, and honestly, it's kind of strange because the popularity of the zombie right now is probably greater than it's ever been. You know, the past 10, 15 years, mm-hmm. the zombie was like, you know, you got some cheese value out of it in the 80s and here or there in the 90s, but it's only really has been of late that the zombie has become this, like... Cultural icon. Yeah, this mm-hmm. thing that, like, you can't get away from, ironically. Just, like, you can't outrun it, and it will eat your brain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, with Walking Dead and all that, but all of that really is the genesis of Romero for... I mean, lots of times people take credit for things, you know. Um, even, even to the extent of Bram Stoker kind of taking credit for the vampire 
in Dracula. Vampires as folklore existed before Dracula. In some ways, in some ways, the, the creatures that Romero creates in Night of the Living Dead haven't, didn't fully exist before that. Because mm-hmm. zombie, prior to this movie, zombie was always related to Haitian voodoo. Yeah, yes. You know, the, the zombie movies like White Zombie, I Walked mm-hmm. with a Zombie, they always dealt with some form of voodoo a person sort the zombie was more of like a the scary part was not the zombie wanting to eat your brains the scary part was becoming a zombie and being controlled mm-hmm. by like somebody else mm-hmm. having know, no the, free will exactly right which Ramiro doesn't completely throw by the wayside but when he he really really wanted to make at the time was he he wanted to do a version of uh he wanted to do a version of i am legend the Richard mm-hmm. Matheson story. Oh, which, okay. And that, the I won't, you know, if people haven't read that, I won't give away the full conceit, but the basic idea there is a man, you know, after this cataclysmic event, all of this guy's neighbors have become vampires, essentially. He's the last normal guy in a world full of vampires. And they're, they're essentially vampires. Um, there are things about them that are a little different here or there. And that was kind of what Ramiro zoned in on, was the idea of your neighbors, your friends, and everyone around you sort of you're facing monsters, but at the same time, they still are carrying around the faces of the people you know. Mm. And so he then used the element of the climbing out of the grave. And he has said on many occasions in his reviews that really what he was thinking about was the idea of ghouls. Like if you, when they're referred to in Night of the Living Dead, they never use the word zombie. Mm-hmm. They always use ghouls. That's right. And ghouls yeah. are, a, are a folkloric element, are, are things that raise from the dead to eat flesh. But now he's got them in giant mobs. And it's funny because... As a kid watching Night of the Living Dead, and I remember seeing flashes of it like on a Halloween, on one Halloween, like on television. And at this point, I already been exposed to '80s kind of bloody, in color mm-hmm. horror movies. There's something so creepy about Night of the Living Dead. And at first, you're watching it. If you've seen other more, more uh, gutsy, for lack of a better <laughs> <Yeah>. term, movies, <laughs> you're like, oh, there's only one or two of these things. You know, when they first kind of show up in the graveyard, it's like. Well, that's kind of silly. I mean, how could I not get away from that? You know, and then there's more of them and there's more of them. And there's that kind of tipping point once they're inside the farmhouse when all these different disparate survivors are all together. Suddenly there's tons of them. And you're like, there's no way. Mm-hmm. There's no way I can get away from this. So it's interesting. He just keeps building and building to a point. So there's something just like that movie gave me nightmares for a while. I think it's just mm-hmm. the images of like the dark eyes, mm-hmm. the contrast, the kind of the slow creeping inevitability of the zombie. Like it's always been the little girl in the basement that does it for you. Yeah, me. I was about <laughs> to say creepier, it's that yeah, exactly the little girl <laughs> yeah. like who who you see enough of the movie her being normal mm-hmm. that you see the switch flip which is like the ultimate sort of distillation of the thing in the in Matheson's novel of your neighbors and your people are now your 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 loved ones are the things you have to be afraid of. What did you guys... Did you see Night of the Living Dead first? Or did you see some of the other movies first? I found a uh, copy of it at like Blockbuster or something. So I watched Night of the Living Dead first. And uh, I really didn't know what to expect. Because I always... I um, I can't say I was especially like a zombie fan or whatever at the time. But um, I really liked it because I was expecting to see something super cheesy. And like... In ways it kind of is. But... It's also a unique movie in and of itself, and I kind of appreciated for what it was because at the time I was like I didn't um, expect to see this thing having 
zombies and stuff and not being kind to voodoo in some way. So I went to see it. I, I got to see it and I was like, oh, they're actually taking a little different direction to what we see today in modern zombie movies. This is kind of like the birth of that. So I kind of liked, um, I, I, I especially uh, enjoyed the stories kind of unpredictable for a zombie movie. I guess that's probably because you've seen so much of that stuff now when you go back and watch it originally. It's not your traditional zombie movie by any means. No, there's a lot of things that happen in the movie that just aren't really traditional at all, yeah. even for a horror movie. It's probably mm-hmm. helpful that what we think of as a modern horror template hasn't quite come about. I mean, Night of the Living mm-hmm. Dead is setting the basis for a lot of different stuff. Survival horror, really, like that kind of survival mm-hmm. horror of everyone located in one place. I mean, it's notable that in 1968 you get a movie where, um, you know, the African-American guy is essentially the survivor, not just a survivor to a degree, to a point but yeah. he's also the hero yeah, like he's yeah. he's the guy who comes together when everyone else is kind of falling apart mm-hmm. and it's funny because Ramiro who is pretty much it, accepts all of his social justice critiques or, or hey you were trying to build this into the movie right off the bat says you know that this was just a kind of happy accident in Night of the Living Dead that when they wrote the script they had I mean just be, for whatever reason in their mind they had an in their head a white person not you know just Mm -hmm. they were writing the character they weren't the point he was trying to make is they weren't specifically trying to write him black Hmm. to make some kind of social point because they're we're gonna have spoilers obviously for these movies at the end of the movie he's shot by a bunch of rednecks Mm -hmm. which is you know he's survived everything and he's killed but in reality he's killed because they think they're shooting a zombie you Mm -hmm. know they uh it's a decoy thing so they felt that that was always going to be the ending it was always going to be a mistaken identity thing and this guy gets killed the irony Mm -hmm. being just that and yet when they cast this guy they said well he's as good as anyone else we have and 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 ramiro says i thought heck this is and this was only a couple months uh maybe a year before martin luther king is shot he says they're going Mm, they were actually on their way driving to show the movie somewhere when they heard the news come across the radio (laughs) that uh the king was shot so he because they were thinking prior to this when they hired him they were dwayne they were like Hey, it's 1968. The only he said the only person who who was thinking there might be a problem with this was the actor himself, <laughs> and and they were like, well, what would be the issue? So the, he said that was really just a mistake. It was never meant to be like that. But of mm. course, it became a very fundamental part, part of, of yeah. the movie. Yeah. But um, it's a very it's a it's a creepy movie, but it transcends. I think it's such a good movie in the sense that I think even if you're someone who doesn't necessarily like horror, you're going to recognize the horrific elements. But you can appreciate it for what it it is. I had a friend whose whose father was actually like pretty high up in like the Southern Baptist Convention. I remember sitting down one <laughs> afternoon with him, and he was like, he was talking about, he was like, hey, you know what movie I found the other day in the in the dollar bin, and I don't know, I think it's Chariots of Fire, so I don't, I don't know, but he's like, Night of the Living Dead, that is just a good, good movie. Yeah. And I mean, you know, but he's right, it, it really is. It's funny you mention that, Chris, that you're expecting something kind of cheesy, mm-hmm. because in 1968, like, you're kind of coming off of, like, cheesy B-horror movies, largely for kids. And if you ever, I would recommend, if you ever get a chance to go back and you could read Roger Ebert's review from around that time, he says he was sitting in a theater full of kids mm. and parents who, because... In that day and age, title like Night of the Living Dead, how is that much different than The Crawling Eye? Or, yeah. you know, they didn't... The, he said it was very quickly people realized they had something a lot darker, a lot more sober, a lot more disturbing than they thought they were getting. You know, yeah. it, it wasn't just a, a, a B-horror movie for kids. and said 
suddenly kids are sitting there watching and these things are eating flesh off the <laughs> bone, which is not something you've typically seen in movies before. So, I mean, I don't think it's any question that Romero is really like ahead of 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 the curve in terms of the horror. It's interesting because he had a different title, and I, I can't write, remember right off the bat what the title was, but he the title he was originally used for the movie, he didn't end up using. Hmm. And... But that was the title that he he actually registered with copyright and everything. Hmm, hmm. And, he, and he, for whatever reason, in all the hullabaloo in between when the thing became popular, he didn't re-register the copyright. So suddenly Night of the Living Dead is out in <laughs> in basically it's it's free. You know, it, it doesn't yeah. have, it's not copyright That's protected. why you find a million different companies that releasing is. DVDs. Of and it. they said it's kind of funny because it's almost both the, it's both the kind of curse. It's like, oh man, he could have been making a lot of money off this. But also what it allowed was any theater could get it and show it. Mm. And it kind of just created this great availability for the movie. It didn't have to wait until VHS or something. Mm-hmm. You know, like a lot of movies that get discovered when they're suddenly available because people have access to them. It was like... It was all over the place, and Interesting. The, and the saturation that probably helped him uh, make it a little bit more aware, become a little bit aware of it. We could probably talk about that movie itself all night, and it's probably one that people talked about to death. But I love it. I think that what's effective is you get characters that you kind of care about. Mm-hmm. They have yeah. realistic confrontations with one another, and uh, you just don't see a lot of it coming. You mm-hmm. don't, um, and it is not afraid to be dark. I think yes. is the thing because I think our expectations are they have to survive. We've got to find a cure to the yeah. zombie plague. Mm-hmm. Now we don't expect those things because we know that like the whole concept of the zombie movie is usually a dour one. But in Night of the Living Dead, <clears throat> you're waiting for the other shoe to drop in a positive way, and it he never pulls them out of the pressure cooker. Is actually uh, I looked it up. Night of the Flesh Eaters. Is that, that yeah? I thought it was. Is title. that the one? That, yeah, it was something. I thought it was something a little different, than that, but whatever it was, that was... he didn't end up. Yeah. Um, like the the copyright thing kind of fell mm-hmm. through. It's just mm-hmm. something they never redid. That's crazy. But, um, I like it, but honestly, to me, it's not quite his best movie, though it is a classic. I think yeah. it's like it's so iconic. It's hard not to give it credit. It's creepy in a lot of ways that movies. I can't think of any other movie mm-hmm. from the '60s that's probably as creepy today as that <laughs> one is. I mean, yeah. When I was a teenager, uh, real quickly, um, then we can uh, move on to his other films. Uh, I just remember uh, thinking, "Oh, it's a '60s movie. Whatever. It's not good because I, you know, teenager in the '90s and like, oh, whatever. It's so you can't be that scary. You're not impressed. <laughs> not impressed. And then I just remember them trying to board up the windows and all the arms coming through. And it's a legitimately terrifying movie. So kind of my black and white bias and everything kind of went out the window with that. And I was like, you know what? This is really, really good. It was kind of ahead of its time in, in that way. And he and the black and white, and the thing is too, I think what's interesting is he didn't have to make it in black and white. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. He could have chose color. Black and white, if you put that thing in color, I've seen the colorized version. It's an abomination. Oh, the but, uh, but I mean, even if they had, well, not the remake. They, they, someone, someone had the horrible idea of colorizing the '68 movie. Oh, really? That's it's a, yeah. it's a travesty. The oh, remake they've you're remade it a about, few yeah, times. Yeah, there's the one in yeah. '90s of Tony Todd. It's it's yeah, Tom it's Savini, all right. It's not terrible. I mean, it, but it, it's a been there, done that. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But this, um, I just don't think this movie would be effective in color. To be honest, like that image you're talking about, the little girl. Yeah, that. The black and white adds so much to that. That contrast is fantastic. Plus, it kind of, it almost, 
it's it's a weird thing because I think the black and white adds that it kind of disarms you, like you're, you said, like both of you've said. Like you go to it and you're like, is this gonna be kind of cheesy? But it kind of creates that bridge between the old Universal horror movies mm-hmm. and like this more modern, more vicious, mm-hmm. little more yeah. dark stories. Well, it's it's almost kind of like the the Psycho thing too. With uh, that's true. Yeah. Kind of the 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 blood almost can't look as cheesy in black and white. You know what I mean? I think your your brain kind of comes up with what it would look like in color more than seeing it on the screen those guys like, eating eh, the whatever. yeah like oh they're eating fried chicken oh, you know whatever yeah, when they're yeah, eating but, the thing yeah. that's so much worse and also you probably get away with a little more in that black and white mm-hmm. like in color you would have never gotten away with them eating that flesh that's or whatever. true yeah. Yeah. that's true so no i don't think anybody at this in this podcast except for chris has seen romero's second movie which yeah, uh, unless you're a real Romero file, may not even or looking at IMD as I'm talking, may not actually even know what that is. Chris, do you want to talk about this? Because this is where Romero, we talk about being an indie artist, kind of doing different things. He kind of tries to go a different direction completely. He doesn't. He's not going to touch hard. He does something different. Yeah, he def- definitely goes off the rails on this one. Um, and I did read that uh, Romero actually hates this movie. He he thinks it's a mess now. <laughs> like he thinks it's the worst movie he's made. Um, but I'm talking about uh, There's Always Vanilla, which was also called The Affair at one point. But it was Romero's attempt at making a uh, romantic comedy, believe it or not. What? Like, yeah. When no zombies, no. No zombies, no. There was a bloody nose at one point, but I think that's about as bloody as things got. Um, yeah, it's just like a goofy, off-the-wall thing that's very weirdly put together and edited together. Even just like... Very short scenes are choppy, real choppy. Like he chops little pieces into it, like that didn't really make sense. So, what? Give us the plot. The plot is um, almost incomprehensible. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's actually really straightforward, but it's the the way they go about it is so weird. Um, it's actually a movie that's narrated by the main male character. It starts off, and he's talking about this girl they met, and he just keeps referring to her as the chick. Oh, I met the chick, you know, and we did we hung out and all this kind of stuff. And he meets it's like Tommy was all the room. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, uh, God. This guy actually uh, I saw later in uh, season of the witch uh, as another love interest character. But like, you see, Romero, this people pop up a lot. Yes, he, his he, people pop up he's a lot. Faithful, or or they're his family. I'm not sure which. <laughs> I'm glad I actually talked about this, so I feel like I actually useful at, like watching. This movie. You didn't actually useful. waste time um, in your life. Completely. Yeah, so completely, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it's just a random occurrence. This guy comes back into town. He's kind of a... He plays a guitar. Sometimes he's a pimp. Like, he's just a kind of free spirit. <laughs> a renaissance man. Oh, kind of like a free spirit. He doesn't He doesn't want to go to college. He doesn't want to get a job. But he just kind of wants to be, you know? So, at some point, he just runs into a girl who's going into an audition. And he's like, hey, I like this girl. I think it even goes to a cutscene. He's like, I wasn't expecting it. But, you know, things worked out. She doesn't, <laughs> like, she doesn't put him in a bag at the end. No, so he just basically, literally runs into a girl. That's where the bloody nose comes in. Uh, oh, he was he in physically a, smashed a turnstile. There was, it was at a turnstile <laughs> at a train station. She's going one way, and the turnstile hits him in the face. And oh. I guess that's where the comedy's supposed to come in. I don't know. Um, but they end up getting together, and it's just about kind of like a coming of, or not coming of anything, but like it's. <laughs> It's about this guy trying to, this girl trying to get this guy to get a job, become more serious, and he can't do it. Uh, and at one point, they throw in a, like a weird, in a weird scene, like they have this girl. She 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 knows she's pregnant, and she doesn't she doesn't tell him because she knows he'll run. 
So she's like, all right, I'm just going to take care of this thing. So at the time, this is pretty like heavy stuff to have in a movie, especially a romantic she's comedy. She's going to go get an abortion. Yeah. yeah. And so it was a weird scene because uh, some guy, some sleazy like casting agent that works with her, some guy that's like, filming commercials, he's like, okay, I'll, I'll help you out. We'll figure out a way to take care of this. Well, she meets up with some like mobster, large, fat mobster guy in a car, and he's like, I'll take you to the doctor, and then I'll bring it back when we're done. So it's like... Showing you at the time that was very, very, very sketchy to do. Yeah, uh, and of course, at the end of the movie, she's realized she doesn't want to go through with it. And she, you know, um, they break up, and she appears to have a happy life with someone else. It's just a really strange comedy. Uh, I was going to watch this until you ruined the ending. Now, well, I don't really. (laughs) I'm honestly, I hope nobody watches this thing because I felt like it was kind of like ninety minutes of my life gone that I'll never get back. No. But it was interesting <laughs> to watch because you see Romero trying something different at least. Um so that's basically all I had to It's say like the time this. David Cronenberg did that like Hillbilly Fast Cars movie or whatever that I can't think of the title of. Like what? if you look at his if you look at his um filmography, he's got a movie in there. It's just like about dudes racing fast cars. No it's way. like nothing else in Cronenberg. I think a lot of directors have that. One crappy um, movie that well, makes well, no well, sense. Well, like one movie where they tried to go mm-hmm. somewhere somewhere different. Even David Lynch has Dune. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Dune. But So now that I've suffered through it's that always for vanilla, you, so that you don't have to wait. There's, yes, and the reference to that vanilla. is, there's always vanilla, the reference being, uh, at the end of the movie, the the guy goes back to see his dad in town, and he's like, "Well, you can come work with me." It's like when you go to, I think Tim Hortons. You said in the movie, you know, you, there's all those different all those different flavors of ice cream, but you always end up with vanilla. There's always vanilla waiting for you here, son. You know, like you can come work with wow, me. Wow, that is extremely like that's deep. the fallback that's, that's on. That's amazing. You know? Like that's his greatest. Social <laughs> that's why. Commentary. That's probably why they remade it as or renamed it the Affair. I don't know because they later renamed it the Affair for some reason. Huh. Well, just in case anyone was curious about the Cronenberg movie, it's called Fast Company about Lonnie Lucky Man Johnson. <laughs> uh, Johnson. Who races uh, a Confederate flag painted car, oh my evidently, God. on the, t- the VHS cover of this. That does not seem like a Cronenberg film. Here. It does not, does right, not. Well, so, aside. <laughs> it's, it's, sometimes it's valuable to get that lesson early that, yeah. you know... This is not my bag. That's right. So Cronenberg never makes another... I mean, Cronenberg doesn't make another movie like that. Ramiro (laughs) never makes another movie like It's Always Vanilla. Um, But his next movie is called Season of the Witch, which is not to be confused (laughs) with that Nicolas Cage movie from 2011. Did you see this one too, Nathan? I've seen it, but it's a long time ago. And I remember it being um, misleading. The title was (laughs) misleading a little bit. I mean, it's not that necessarily there isn't anything about witches, but... This is another movie that I, in a lot of ways, is not a horror film either. It's still very much mm-hmm. in being experimental. Maybe not as experimental. Very experimental because yeah. I remember the, even just the first like five ten minutes of it. It was a weird dream sequence almost, and it was like this woman. Uh, you, it was just weird. You're seeing things from her perspective, and then you go to reality. It was very strangely shot. This is sort I like the beginning of the social, really social commentary where you've kind of got this kind of anxious frustrated like on one hand is it an anxious frustrated housewife who's mm-hmm. stuck in her uh domestic living that she doesn't want to be a part of and wants to connect to this to something else mm-hmm. or is she legitimately a witch mm-hmm. and see i haven't seen it in so long chris you want you want to talk a little bit about that one too yeah i watched this one also recently um <laughs> you, chris has put himself through the ringer for that i, I really have yeah. like nobody Good has worked you. harder on this episode than chris 
especially like with work this week, I was like, I had just enough time to go home and watch a movie before going to bed and like getting I, up early the next day. I watched day. another one. Yeah. I'm like, how oh, much? Like, I was almost a, like that kind of morbid curiosity. You watch a car wreck. How much, yeah. more, how much more can he possibly take? <laughs> well, yeah, this one apparently, interestingly, uh, was supposedly originally billed as like an adult film, like a soft core adult <laughs> film, which it isn't at all. And it was called like Hungry Wives or something, but yeah. it's not at yes, all. Yes, it is. Yeah. It's, even, yeah, exactly. the title is still Hungry Wise. Um, but yeah, it was originally supposed to be that, but then they cut it down. They're like, yeah, this isn't going to work. So they cut it down <laughs> into Season of the Witch. Um, which, which has also very is, little explicit content. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know where they got that from because I was right. like, if that was what I was trying to see, I would have been the most boring movie of all time. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's no um, Sex and Nudity Guide does not have a yeah. lot on here for... Um, IMDb. <laughs> in any case, yeah, it's just like a bored housewife. You know, she, like you said, kind of wants to get out of her situation or have something interesting on the side. And so she starts, not until even much later in the movie, but like getting into witchcraft. I'd say about a third of the movie is left. Maybe. It's more than half. Mo- I found like this large chunk of movie where it's her and one of her friends who's a drunken housewife. They're hanging out at night and her daughter... And also her daughter's boyfriend, who happens to be the dude, the main guy from There's Always Vanilla. And he's in there. And he's kind of a jackass. He, he has a very smart aleck sense of humor. And this is a time, like, people took weed very, very seriously. And, the you know, like... Madness. Yeah, exactly. Like, so he's like, hey, uh, any of you girls ever try grass or something, you know? And you know, so the drunken housewife's like, oh, no, I would never, you know? And then murder. she's like, actually, I'd rather you, drink. And she's like, yeah, <laughs> drink do, and murder. do you have any on you? You know, and so she's like trying to get on the trash. So she goes to the bathroom at one point, and the guy's like, all right, guys, I'm going to pull out this cigarette, put the tobacco in the rolling paper, and we'll tell her she smoked weed, and that'll be a joke, you know? And we'll see how she reacts if she acts like she feels like she smoked something you know mm. and so that was a big some big cruel joke uh, uh and this whole scene just goes on and on forever yes, the and, and so like i feel like that to me in that moment it was probably 10 15 minutes it felt like that was a third of the movie like, the runtime is 130 minutes for this thing it's that's a lengthy a- film so that's another thing about romero is is some of his dead movies are short but a lot of his other stuff ain't short yeah. at all. Ugh, and those are the movies that really shouldn't be. Monkey Shines. Is a, well, you have not seen mm. Knight Rider, my friend. Oh, God. Anyways, during the rest of the movie, uh, she keeps feels like she's getting attacked by some guy who wants to stab her or something. And then Which she gets seems like it comes crap. out of nowhere. It does it's come out of nowhere. inexplainable. It comes out of nowhere and it pops up a couple of times, completely unscary. <laughs> and then she gets into witchcraft so and this... things... This is not a horror I mean, film. It's not a horror I mean, I don't film think all. it's even intended to be a horror no, film. No, I also would not really encourage anybody to watch this because okay. I think it's not worth your time. Yeah, see, when I saw that, I love good witch movies. I so mean, do I. Saw I. The witch, and that's really the only That's good why movie. I was like, that's the one I want to start with. If when you I was... had taken the season of the witch title away, like you'd almost not know it's about a witch. Oh, exactly. Well, the, yeah. the elements are so... And they're yawning, so, thinking, about and they're so contemporary in it because they like she's pulling out books for witchcraft, and they're like, "How to be a witch?" Like, oh, oh, yeah. like stuff but, like that. It's like, but it's wow, not funny. It's and not she's really high like on no. tobacco. So yeah. she'll definitely... yeah. There's more drinking and drug use in this movie than there is witchcraft. Yeah. Probably, yeah. That's fair yeah. to say. Does it hit the level of the Reefer Madness silliness then? No, at least? There, no, it's so not silly. It's, it's not even trying funny, to yeah. make. So there's a... nothing redeemable about this. I wouldn't thing. say it's nothing because I mean, <laughs> I still again felt like j- 
that just because of the way it was shot, Sorry. it was at least interesting to look at at times. Like, they had some interesting... Well, and okay. he, if you but, are someone who wants to see some of the, like, feminist angles and stuff that he does there, true. there you could find yeah. some substance to it. It's just that I don't think that he's wholly successful in what he's trying to do. Mm-hmm. You're right. I think that what he tries to do in this movie is similar to what he does in the next movie, and he's actually much more successful at it in Martin. Yes. Which is, um, he That wants is what I watched to... after that one, too. Actually. Are we going to skip the TV movie documentary from 1974, O.J. Simpson, Juice on the Loose? I think so. Okay. I've just I'm just curious. I <laughs> well, I only, to be fair, I only watched his movies that he's directed directly. That's it. I think he did. So, this is a direction. TV That's movie. a TV documentary. TV movie documentary. Oh, yeah, I guess. This is as George Romero. Yeah. I don't I think, mean, I if don't we're know. getting down like that, he, no. he technically, <laughs> they uh, one of the talk shows, it might have been Jimmy Kimmel or somebody that had him on, and they brought something up he'd done, and it was video of... Uh, Mr. Rogers going to get a tonsillectomy. Oh. And, and, and Romero had directed it. Nice. And they're like, look at this. And he was laughing. He didn't know where they got it from. It was, that might be better he's than like, season. But he said, you know what? He's a lot of those guys in Philadelphia, a lot of his, us filmmakers said your start. A lot of us worked with Fred. Like, he was willing to hire, you know. He, but there it is, the director of Night of the Living Dead. Wow. Filming Fred Rogers getting a tonsillectomy. Wow. That's so, awesome. It is awesome. That. I would really like to see, see that. Actually, if I can find the YouTube clip of it, I'll put it on. I'll they, put it in the show yes, notes. please do. Um, but so, and and I guess too, since we're saying it's going to be like a streaming episode, I'll just to catch up with the movies we said so far. The always vanilla. It's always vanilla and season of the witch are both available on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And what I would consider to be, I mean, movie aside, fairly decent viewing capacity it's mm-hmm. not the it was not the best but it's not the worst it's uh yeah not quite the box up in the corner mm-hmm. uh the whole picture <laughs> is there sometimes you get these things and it's like yeah. the movie's blown out or it looks like you're watching someone has recorded it mm-hmm. these mm-hmm. are they they have the poor quality of their original prints but they're not it's not you're not looking at a remastered high def but yeah i think you could find at least season of the witch probably on amazon or something you could probably rent it um, I a, saw it on decent, there for yeah. a day, and I went back to look at it, and it was gone. So I must have yeah. missed. I don't know if it's on Prime, but you could probably pay a couple bucks to rent it. I'd imagine, but mm-hmm. who knows? I'm not. I'm not certain. Uh, but it is available YouTube. Night of the Living Dead. I know. I believe is on uh, either Netflix or Amazon right now. Mm-hmm. I, I believe it's Netflix. It. Yeah. If I'm and you can uh, you can check it out. And of course, you can find Night of the Living Dead pretty much all over the place. Mm-hmm. This one I found to be quite interesting that we're going to be talking. Martin about. is yeah. the next mm-hmm. movie. So. In the same way that Season of the Witch is kind of a realistic movie about a person who may be experiencing some form of uh, mental divergence, if you will, (laughs) and thinks she's a witch, so you have the witch angle. Martin is sort of a movie where there's a young guy who, in PA who may or may not be a vampire. And in more than any other movie I've ever seen, because this is a common trope in this sort of movie, uh, in in some vampire movies, to be the question of, is he really a vampire or is it all in his head? Like, mm-hmm. But I don't think I've ever seen a movie where you've got that question of is the person really some kind of supernatural creature or are there are there realistic explanations or is it simply that their mind has, has kind of eaten their sense of reality? And I think this movie walks that line where all three options are on the table more Absolutely. than almost anything else yeah. I've yeah. seen. That I think that's almost the appeal of the movie. 
Um, Jason, have you seen this one? Yeah, I, I've seen this a couple times. Um, I love this one. I think this might be... I, I have to rewatch this again. I haven't seen it probably since I was maybe in my early 20s and 34 now. But I remember the first time I saw it, I was maybe 12, and I didn't like it because it's... Oh my goodness, it's a, it's a rough movie <laughs> well, for 12. Yeah, yeah, but it's not... I mean, it, it is a slow burn type movie. Yeah. It's not, I expected, you know, vampire score, I'm going to go and get something risque because I'm sneaking into the blockbuster and getting, you know, and I didn't really like it. And then I go back to it and it's a creepy, creepy movie. And I just remember, what, I mean, what what little violence there is in it is very explicit in, in terms of razor slicing. And mm. that's uh, one of the more horrific, I don't know, that's just me, one of the more horrific violent aspects in a movie is when... Um, a straight razor is cutting someone's skin. And I thought that that was really well done and and very disturbing. The mm-hmm. whole, um, is he a vampire, is he a serial killer thing, like you said, is very well done. And it's just a really kind of understated, really good movie. And, and quite honestly, when I'm looking at Internet Movie Database here, it's the second rated, highest rated movie to Night of the Living Dead, according to, to people. It, it's got a 7.2 out of 10 on here. Um, it's just, I mean, the comments go very underrated and all this stuff. And it just, I remember thinking, I'm thinking that, that this is, it wasn't Night of the Living Dead. It's not in the same vein, but it's, it's terrifying in its own right. Cause it really does hone in on that kind of mental illness type thing that I think that that's what it's going for. But it, it's just, it, it gets under your skin. It does a good job with ambiguity. Like you said, the violence when it is there is pretty graphic from what i remember but not it's very serial killer yeah it's very serial serial killer-esque and it's just like this 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 shy little kid that's just very unassuming when you look at him he's you know i'm very blase about it too yeah he's around the same time you get this movie you also have harold and maude i don't know if you guys ever seen Harold. yes a young guy who Kind of That's more disturbing than this. <laughs> well, but <laughs> but that character and these kind of kind of um, feckless young kids, like yeah. you seem unassuming. Like Martin isn't that dissimilar. Um, no. He sits there and talks to his cousin about being a vampire. Yeah, and he's pretty much open about it. He believes he's much much older than he than we assume he is. It's mm-hmm. really just a uh, creepy. <laughs> but it it, <laughs> it is. It's 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 a character piece mm-hmm. that happens to be about a guy who thinks he's a vampire and. There's not anything in this movie that would honestly, in fact, except for the fact that that Ramiro has this uh, legacy of being a horror filmmaker. Mm-hmm. If anyone else made this movie, they might not even question that level of is he a vampire or was he not. There's nothing that Ramiro that I can remember, Chris. Maybe you can clarify. I don't think anything happens in the film. That really tries to push the idea that he is a vampire. There's nothing in the movie proper. No, I mean, nothing that you could really see outside of his head at all. Like, in his head, he kept having these visions of, like, different times and places and stuff. Right, but it's, but it's very just clear as that much like that's a delusion. Yeah. Dream, yeah. But oh. there's nothing, there's not a moment where, like, somebody finds he's not on the camera or in mm-hmm. a mirror. No, no. Or, no. It, you know, a lot of these horror films... Um, I'll even point out a movie like Frailty, you know, which plays around with the idea mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. this or that, and ultimately at the end decides to give you a, it's this over that mm-hmm. kind yeah, of ending, yeah, where it suddenly it's, it says, hey, there's this thing happening. There's nothing like that here. I mean, so 
if you take the movie at face value, he's he isn't a vampire. He's just a very disturbed, disturbed young mm-hmm. guy who's let um, let reality twist him into a monster. Which I his think sense is, of reality. I think that's more disturbing than him being a monster anyway. This is a kid that's like oh yeah, undoubtedly. You know, he's slicing people over with razors because he doesn't have. Fangs. It would be a little cheap, I think, for him to like for to have some transformation scene. Or yeah. some moment where his cousin or his family realize, oh, he yeah. was a vampire. You know, they kill mm-hmm. him, and then and and it's just it, there's something about like I mean, they could have went even the cheesy route with this and had him have you know develop some type of fake teeth. He puts his metal teeth or something that he uses. To have, no, it's this this dude's just using a razor, and he's drinking blood. And it's just it's it really like I want to go find it now and watch it again. It's kind of getting under on my YouTube, skin. and it's actually a pretty good. Version is it on, on YouTube? YouTube? It's yeah. pretty good. And I'd say the quality of the film there is actually pretty darn. good. It's better than the other two I've seen. I mean, it's a solid. Film. Like it's about the quality of a DVD. Um, nice. The, uh, again of the print of the time, so you know sometimes the yeah, DVDs. We're not are talking like, about. So it looked like when I re- rented the VHS tape back. In yeah, the a little 90s. bit better than that, but yeah, I mean, it's probably taken from a DVD that's not like a remastered or. Uh, you know, cut. But you know what? Some I thought blood. the creepiest part. You, you make a good point too. They don't go this kind of cutesy route of him really trying to pretend to be a vampire because mm-hmm. it's psychological. And, and I cape think, and well, whoa, that's almost whoa. kind of the point. Because if you were to do that, you'd really know he was a poser. And the fact that he thinks he's a vampire in his mind, and there's no reason for him to get a kid. You know what I mean? He, it's so no, funny because at a certain point in the movie. He does that to throw his grandfather off the scent. That's like, funny. That's know, actually. Like, I was about to point that out. That like I don't even remember that the part. extent that mm. uh, Romero does use the tricks, it's like <laughs> the guy almost mocking them. You know, it's yeah. almost spoof. He's spoofing the idea of this vampire. But I thought one of the creepiest moments is kind of later in the movie when he starts talking about how like he thinks he's kind of kicked it, but then he's looking for certain types of people again. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like you see it kind of creeping back in, and it's, it's like he can't quite ever drop the habit it's a very dangerous person and and the fact that someone like that is more than likely somewhere you would think that there's somebody that that's that in fact there is there's people that what do you think about the fact that i think it's fair to say we hear a lot of people talk about different movies henry portrait of a serial killer and all those such movies Mm -hmm. you don't hear people talk about martin very much i mean is that a fair to say that's the thing is because i had not even heard of it until you recommended one of the better romero movies to watch check out martin and and i was actually really surprised i'd never heard of it before after i saw it i was like this is pretty good world where people talk so much about dario argento it's kind of odd that a movie like martin isn't better appreciated well i i think it might be because um romero's known as the zombie guy and a lot mm-hmm. of this stuff that's not the zombie stuff is kind of looked, that's, yeah, that's, that whatever, be you know. I, but I, I would say if there's a takeaway, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen Martin, watch and it. you like horror films, because Martin is you a horror film. You should definitely watch yeah, it. It's, a, it's an understated in some ways, but it's definitely a horror film. We're not, mm-hmm. It's not in like the other ones. Um, so I guess, am I wrong to say, and Jason, you probably have a list in front of you there, mm-hmm. that the next movie he does is Dawn of the Dead. Yes, we did skip one, though, real quick, and I haven't seen it, though, if you guys decided, The Crazies. I didn't even, I thought. Oh, I, I forgot. Okay, it, yeah. so The Crazies I, I thought also there, yeah. on YouTube. Uh, yeah. Is that also on YouTube? Mm-hmm. Well, I first, saw the remake, did not see the original, so. I saw the old one years and years ago. Uh, I actually enjoy the remake. The remake mm-hmm. was not a bad movie. I thought it was fun. Oh, I liked Action it too. It's not that dissimilar from the Dawn of the Dead remake in the sense that they're just kind of ter- they take his original movie and turn it into a horror-based action film. Mm-hmm. Probably a fair fair thing to say. Yes. Um, but I liked liked the crazies. Uh, 
Yeah, next would be. Um, but Chris, what do you have any? You watched the crazy? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, version? I did. Going back and oh, um, <laughs> Yeah, going crazy. Yeah, I did watch the crazies. <laughs> um, it's very different. It's a totally different movie than the the remake. Like, um, it's about a town, and uh, there's a contagion going on. Like a uh, the military has just dropped some. Uh, bug on a town accidentally they didn't mean to it kind of broke out Mm -hmm. and so now they're trying to contain the mess so really most of the movie is it does involve yes the people going mad with this this illness and like doing crazy things Mm -hmm. i think one of my favorite scenes was an old grandma on a rocking chair like killing one of the troops with like a that's a needle like when she was knitting something and she's like oh hi dearie and like stabs him with the my memory is the government in interference is the real horror yes definitely uh it's definitely about the government like crowding all the people together in a high school and the people that are trying to escape and resist and it's almost like uh it's almost like they're they're like a war film in a way because they're all fighting them trying to escape Um, yeah it's not it's not the traditional it's definitely not what you think when you think romero um unless you have seen this and you do think that, but um, I was not a huge fan of it. But it still is very relevant for today, um, yeah. with all the stuff going on. I mean, you could see something like this happening where the government shuts down a town and tr- quietly does its best to, you know, dispatch with their problems. Yeah, and maybe not. Maybe you couldn't necessarily. We don't know. See this happening because you <laughs> thought you wouldn't know. But it's definitely that kind of tangible fear that you're you. you yeah, always I mean, consider. it's a modern fear. Yeah, you see, you see things like that happening on a small scale. Mm-hmm. Particularly in the seventies, you've got all that stuff, and it's like, okay, this happens on a small scale. Could it happen, or has it happened on a large scale? And that, that's definitely a social sort of picture. My memory of it is it's a little heavy-handed. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Like, I think yeah. it isn't as effective as Night of the Living Dead or some of the other movies. Mm-hmm. But again, that's me probably work, working off of a twenty-year gap. No, that's that's fair it. to say. It is. I was not a huge fan, but it was interesting. Again, another just different kind of movie. All right. So going on to Dawn, right? Yeah, Dawn of the Dead is next, 1978. Same year as Martin, it says, so he was busy. Hmm. Martin was made for like a handful of a month. I mean, it didn't look like you. There was a lot of real pre-production. Martin (laughs) is like bootstrap filmmaking kind of, seems like. Yes. Um, So yeah, what about Dawn of the Dead? And to me, I'll just straight, straight up say, Dawn of the Dead's probably my favorite Romero movie. Hmm. I would say um, there's a couple others there that might have R- Martin would be in contention, Night of mm-hmm. the Living Dead. But to me, Dawn of the Dead is just—I don't think there's another movie quite like it. Even with all of the zombie movies that have come after it, it something is a little more unique about it to me than mm-hmm. the other. Yeah, movies. and this is also another case where. The movie's not... It has the zombies and has all that stuff that you want to see. But a large portion of the movie is almost zombie-free. It's just people living their lives while all this stuff is happening outside. Mm-hmm. It's really like, like true science fiction. Yeah. Think. And I guess that's the thing yeah. is Romero... We, we put him in the horror category, but a lot of his stuff borders on science, mm-hmm. science fiction. What we think of as real science fiction. A work of ideas and mm-hmm. thoughts and examining humanity. And that's what Dawn of the Dead does. Absolutely. He puts it in the microcosm yeah. of the mall. The mall's not just a cool little set the way it is in the Dawn of the Dead remake. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, and of course you have that social commentary coming in where they're coming back to the mall and they say, well, you know, this is a place that was important to them. Like, <laughs> yeah. this is the, like, Romero tracks the zombies through a series as sort of 
I think he's ultimately playing out what happens, and this may be minor spoiler if you're not familiar with I Am Legend. In I Am Legend, the, the vampire creatures eventually do start to regain a semblance, not a full uh, appreciation, but a semblance of their old humanity. And it seems like Romero zombie movies are kind of doing that on a very glacial pace. Mm-hmm. Like, if you look at the zombies in his oh, that's series, absolutely true. they yeah. evolve. They even ride horses eventually. Mm. But, like, initially... Oh. Yes, they do! Chris with his head in his hands here. Oh, but God. What on earth do they ride horses in? It's survival of survival the Dead. Survival of the Dead. Oh, oh, dear God. Dawn of the Dead, when you have them. <laughs> and, of course, you get the Bub the Zombie in the next one. But yeah. those scenes of them wandering. And then, I love that, like, halfway through this movie, and maybe this is the lead-up later, like, the Knight Riders, they have to fight, like, a biker gang. Yes, who wants with to, like, Tom Savini. With yeah. Tom Savini. Hey, who wants to come in and they want to like take them all for themselves and it's people fighting over goods. Throwing cream pies in the faces of zombies and stuff. Really silly attempts at defeating them. Like, But it kind of works. But it's not like a... It's hard to explain how this, if you've not seen the movie, it's hard to explain how this isn't like an Evil Dead. You know, it's not like a full-blown spoof movie. Mm-hmm. It's not... Wouldn't you say it's not like a goofball three no, stooges? It's serious. No, it's, it's it has humorous moments. You can, I think there is a darkness to the scene when they are doing things like that because at that point they're like, they're out. What of, the hell? I'm just going to do whatever well, I feel like. It's yeah, realistic. Like, yeah. You're not. A lot it's of these human movies, desperation. It's not meant to be. Mm-hmm. It's not like. Mm. Well, I I, I kind of agree with Chris on that too. It is kind of their last resort. I mean, you see so many movies and shows with the zombies where all of a sudden someone becomes an ace sharpshooter and they're able to peg people in the heads immediately, right between the eyes, all over the place. And these people don't have that. They're normal people, and they're just caught in the situation. They don't have anything else to do. Mm. And there's a lot more zombies in this than the first one. Um, and it's just, it's this one, I haven't seen this one in a long time either. I I like the remake, but I remember not liking the remake as much as the original. Mm -hmm. And just, it does say something a little bit. I know I, I've always... Those two movies are totally different in tone. Yes, they are. Yes, they they very much are. I remember people talking about how this one deals with the consumerism. That was Romero's take on consumerism. You know, they're coming back to the mall, back to the mall and all that. And... Maybe that is what he's trying to say. I don't know. But I just remember it being, uh, again, very kind of claustrophobic, even though they're in this giant space. It's just kind of weird. Well, because it's still a trap in some mm-hmm. ways. Like, yeah. you know, you know, the farmhouse, at least you can kind of like, the thing with the mall is you could be at one end of the mall and not know they're coming in at the end. You know, mm-hmm. you could turn Ooh, a corner good, mm. and, they're, and they're there. And that kind of happens a couple times. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm here. Excellent point. We're there. Um Malls are just creepy places when they're like empty. Speaking of which, have you ever played any of those big sandbox games um, where you are? I know what you're talking about. The Dead Rising. Dead, Dead Rising. Rising. Yeah. I, I couldn't think of it for a second, but you like just I, go chopping where you're in, stuck in a mall filled with thousands of zombies. That is Very like fun. a that is like a toss up between <laughs> literally um, do whatever you want. That's a toss up between. Uh, or a combination, if you will, of like Dawn of the Dead, Evil Dead, and like Dead Alive. Yeah. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Like it's, it's just crazy. a chopping hack and slash. I wonder where zombies would go now since we don't have malls anymore. They would just tweet. Yeah. They would just. They would just <laughs> the, That's how they go I mean, to Amazon. We do have zombies speed. now. They're just like, like they go to that speed dating <laughs> thing and just eat their way yeah. from table to table. <laughs> the old country buffet. Um, <laughs> Brains, Amazon here, gotta go center, somewhere else. Knocking on the door. Here they'll all be at Denny's, and no one could tell the difference between the regular patrons and the zombies. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, but 
I yeah, I love Dawn of the Dead. I think it's a great movie. Um, now Romero's also said that like this was his movie where he wanted to get across the point that he had for the original movie, which was that I that because he said this was the gist for him was when there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth, which is the mm-hmm. line that gets used in in that, and that was kind mm-hmm. of what he was trying that creepy idea. Uh, he always thought he he was saying he always kind of felt like you always wanted to kind of think that maybe this uh, zombie plague was some sort of judgment maybe you know mm-hmm. on hmm. human on the human race and uh which makes it you know if it's not if it's not something that's happened because that's the thing about romero zombies versus other kind of forms of zombies or creatures or whatever you want to call it is like it's the dead coming back to life and that's what mm. that's why romero said there's no fast zombies yeah Their legs would break because <laughs> and uh, by the definition it is a dead person so that idea of them coming out of the grave and then also being kind of rotted at the same time to me there's a whole level there's lots of elements of creepiness to that that you don't get with um i'm infected i fell over i got back up and now i'm going to attack you, you mm-hmm. um that's not to rag on the others but i mean I, the, romero's vision so dawn of the dead to me i think is my favorite just as an overall movie because i feel like it transcends just being like a horror movie mm-hmm. and it kind of becomes a movie that you can kind of think about you can kind of enjoy it has a lot of rewatchability and plus, I had a couple people question, like, the who maybe, clearly, like, you know, uh, if you're not really a horror fan, you have to balk at that idea that you can enjoy a movie based on its kills. <laughs> you know, we've said that a few times, the like, good kills. But mm-hmm. um, Dawn of the Dead has some pretty inventive gore in it. Yes. Uh, Day of the Dead probably has a little bit more, but, I mean, <laughs> Dawn of the Dead and, is, like, when you, you, you're sitting there thinking, I've never quite seen that mm-hmm. in a movie before. And... It spawned two franchises. Think about it. Well, I don't know if it spawned actually the American franchise, which was the of the dead movies, because that would be Night of the Living Dead, of course. Mm-hmm. But it well, continued they, that franchise. Kind of the Return of the Living Dead movies. Is that the ones you're talking nope, about? No, not even that. Oh, okay. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go overseas for you on for this. For both one. of the other franchises. Uh, well, there's of course your Return of the Living Dead series. I I don't know what exactly spawned spawned that. Like if it was that Drugs. day, maybe Drugs. Drugs definitely. I love Return of the Living Dead. At I least know the first you're up one. There. I can yeah, that's great. Brains. I'm talking about uh, the Z O M B I zombie series. All the Italian. Okay, so so we have yeah the Italian Fulci? zombie Fulci. Fulci. Okay, so what's interesting is the. Americans got this zombie movie from Fulci, and it was just called Zombie, mm-hmm. and that was it. Yeah. However, over in Europe, Dawn of the Dead was recut, and they cut out about 10, 15 minutes or so, and they said they cut out like more of the American humor and stuff for the European audiences, and then they redid the score with this rock band Goblin, who oh. Argento is used you to. Heard, Suspiria. You heard some of Goblin in uh, Suspiria, yeah. and also, what was the other, Inferno? Yes. Oh, so. <laughs> So they For did now. this, and oh, I'll I, I, for you right now. <laughs> I, I mean, I got the DVDs of the original Dawn as well as this, and they say they're like totally different movies. I don't think they are, but um, anyway, so that was released in Europe, not as Dawn of the Dead, or as Dawn of the Dead, uh, not as Dawn of the Dead, but Zombie. So when they came to it, they Fulci said he just went ahead and made a sequel to. Dawn of the Dead, and he's calling it Zombie Two overseas. Is that the one where the shark? That's an unofficial. That's right. It's the unofficial sequel to Dawn of the Dead, and they called it Zombie Two. But when it came to America, they just called it Zombie because there was no Zombie One. Oh. All these quirky things. It's weird, right? It's like how the House series. I shouldn't be jumping to the House <laughs> series. The House series has no House Three. It mm. just goes from House Two to House Four because somewhere oh, yeah, in right. the middle, there's a really bad Lance Henriksen Brian James movie called. Uh, I'm trying to remember what the actual name of it was, but it got released. 
here as something else and released over there as House 3. Mm. And also, interestingly, you know, the Night of the Living Dead, the series that starts off with uh, originally like a, a something from space, like a comet crashes down on Earth and unleashes a virus that way. So Zombie continues that. But then when they get to, like, I think the thir- the fourth or fifth movie where they finally go back to Jamaica. I mean, these things, they change the plot lines all along. But the fifth one is back to just voodoo. <laughs> the zombies are being nice. brought to life Bring by voodoo for no reason. Yeah. Mm. Anyways. Are we going to do something called Night Riders? Because something uh, called Night Riders. The masterpiece uh, called Night Riders. I spent two and a half hours watching this, so we're definitely Jesus, talking about it. Jesus, 146 <laughs> minutes? A medieval reenactment troupe find it increasingly difficult to keep their family-like group together. With pressure from local law enforcement, interest from entertainment agents, why would they have interest, and a growing sense of delusion from their leader. Because what it doesn't tell you about that renaissance group (laughs) is that they joust on motorcycles. Yes. It's a biker gang wearing renaissance gear like... Ramiro, I don't know what Ramiro thought. I think Ramiro thought he was making a modern Arthurian epic. Mm. At least that's what he tries <laughs> to kind of do. And at two and a half hours. But what he really does yeah, is kind of... Yeah, why is it this long? He pre- I was asking myself that question the entire time. <laughs> Dude, you're not wrong. Um, I feel like maybe we I'm saw a director's this. cut. I'm, or something. <laughs> I'm skipping this one. I'll this, enjoy your conversation. <laughs> it preempts LARPing. Really, I feel yeah. like. I, mean, I don't know how LARPing was a thing in the early 80s, but I don't think to the extent it is now. Oh, live action role play. That's yeah, yeah, where you go in the woods. I mean, because... Tape up a these, sword with foam. Ah, the idea here is these guys are living this out. They aren't just Ren Festers doing this mm-hmm. as like a job. Who stars like, in this pile of trash? Ed oh, Harris. you be surprised. Ed Harris is the star. No, why? Young Ed Harris. King, Stephen King has a cameo. No, he doesn't. As, as Hoagie, Hoagie Man. man. Hoagie <laughs> man. A, guy, a guy eating the sub. You and Tom Savini has a huge role in this movie. Like the who's Gary Lottie? Uh, he plays Alan. Oh, okay, I know who he was in. Okay. Yeah. So, no, but I, you know, I'm going to say this: the movie's interestingly shot. Come I on. like to think of Ed it as Harris. Come on, man. And he's in. He's like the king of this he little is group. Deranged. I'm not going to quite go out and say it's a great movie, but it's an interesting sort of like project. I like to think of it as Easy Riders of Rohan because I mean, <laughs> it's like it kind of has that. It's not that far removed from the Peter yeah, Fonda movie right. in some ways, but it well, does have. Yep, some interesting chest hair. Um, oh, you look up Tom yeah. Savini, like some of his, like when okay, when they try to do the photo shoot with Tom Savini. That's the craziest part of this whole movie. He's I laugh. A, a metal thong. He's wearing a metal thong and he's laying on this big like bench that a says Night Riders" on it. It's all studded leather and stuff, and there's like these two girls on him with like castles for hats. It's, it's crazy, a crazy right. movie. Well, but this thing is all over the map. You could have. <laughs> Yes. Talk about drugs then. Yeah, this you, is you, what you, <laughs> we have. But it, it, this, though, we talk about Ramiro trying to make more. Someone could have taken this idea of Night Riders. Here's the deal. Until a few weeks ago, when I decided to watch it for the podcast, I had always assumed this was a, a post apocalyptic movie. So because, did I. Because the poster is literally like. Harris in like full blown looks more like a roaming gladiator yeah. with a, with a, a like mace. red orange background. Yeah. Well, like he, has a nice, yeah, he has a nice feathered world hat on. You tell me that doesn't look make you think the games, the romance, the spirit. Camelot is a state of mind. Now that tagline <laughs> matches closely to the movie, yes. but that poster looks like a Mad Max. Maybe the poster <laughs> is how Ed Harris's character <laughs> saw himself, like. Or does he wear that that feathered thing yes. in the movie? He does. Okay, but, well, but then here's I the might thing. have to see this. Yeah, and here's the thing, Jason. 
the draw of this movie is watching Romero make this seem almost like a plausible thing. Like, mm-hmm. this, yeah. this shouldn't even work at all. No. It doesn't no. come off as silly as we're making it sound, I yeah. don't think. Like, no. it's it really is about these guys embracing... If you want to make a story about people embracing, like, Arthurian culture in a modern day, this is like that movie. Yeah. Um, and it even tries to retell the Arthur story in some ways, but I don't think the storytelling's very good. I think that's where it falls apart. No. Me. What did you I think? I think especially that's the weakness of it. I, like you, kind of enjoyed... I enjoyed uh, a good portion of it, but I feel that it was much too long and they packed in a lot of mm. stuff. The storytelling was lacking, and I especially think because there's like just whole storylines that they do stuff and then they never finish it up or complete. Like, uh, towards the beginning of the movie, you see a young girl, she falls falls in love with one of the, one of the guys on a motorcycle, and so she, you know... Uh, she decides to leave and go on tra- you know tour with them and they go home and mom's got a black eye because dad's pissed that she's the girl's leaving and then eventually the girl disappears and that's the end of the story they don't even there's no wrap up to that like why did you show us mom with the black eye if you're going to do nothing with this girl yeah it's it's all over the map it's got some great like cinematography mm-hmm. and some interesting ideas it doesn't amount to a whole lot, I think, yeah. as a movie. It's more of a... Again, it's a, It's in some ways, it's the character study of the Ed Harris character as much as it is anything else. And it's another story about a person with a delusional split in their head, really. I mean, hmm. Martin thinks he's a vampire. The housewife thinks he's a witch. He thinks he's part of Camelot. He wants That's to interesting. be. I didn't put that together. If you think it away, like we said with Martin, where he's not just a guy pretending to be a vampire... Harris obviously knows he doesn't live in the Middle Ages, but he has. It doesn't make a difference because he's trying so hard to live in that time frame. Mm-hmm. This isn't a guy just pretending to LARP, really. If you want to be honest about it, he's he has put himself so into that mold that he can't. It's the movie makes it clear he can't live in the real world. He really believes in that code of honor yeah. and all that. So stuff, in yeah. a way, it is just another character study, like these other movies, of this person who is this, who isn't the thing that they think they are. But it doesn't matter because they're going to live exactly like that to the point that they mm-hmm. might as well be. You know, it doesn't matter that Martin isn't really maybe technically a vampire or that he's not technically a knight of Camelot. Cool. Yeah. So it was a it was an interesting movie. I I enjoyed parts of it, and I think it's an interesting film. But it was just too much. Too it was too long. I think <laughs> I mean, it is it is overly long. I think if it could have been a nice ninety minute cut of it, somewhere. it would have been. I would have loved it. I think if it was that. Are we at are we at Creep Show? Yet? We are at Creep Show, which is awesome. Do you think this is your favorite? No, but I still <laughs> love it. There's like I, I love a couple of them in there, a couple of the stories in there, because this is another one I haven't seen in a long time, and I remember uh, just a few things from it. I remember the uh, the Stephen King one. I love Stephen King, my favorite author. Love everything he's written. Not everything that's based on what he's written, obviously, but everything he's written, I, I like. And his story is is rather strange, and I really like that one a lot. Well, King helped actually create all of them. Yeah, like he and Ramiro, but he's only in the. Oh, I'm talking. Yeah, I'm talking with the yeah. one with the green like moss covering him. Yeah, the, he's the he only death of Jordy Vera. Yeah, but yeah. he wrote all of them. He he created all of them. Yeah, the it's just yeah. it's it's really really cool. It, although I I will say the uh, my favorite of those is the. I think it's the last one with the cockroaches. 
That's the creepiest one with to the, me. The, this right. like germaphobe dude that's like trying to live without, and he's just, it just gets it to your primal oh, disgust God. of like crawling critters oh, on the ground. Yeah, okay. and we, you know, my wife and I just had to deal with rats that we uh, <laughs> kind of bought a house into, and they were uh, living there, and we got rid of those. So I can't imagine just these big nasty effers are just oh god, these things are. Just gross, gross cockroaches in here. They're not like little ones that you see every now and then in the city. These no. are these giant Madagascar-looking things, and it's just—it's yeah. it's like an armored. Tank oh, it's just—they're just so disturbing, and it just gets worse and worse. It's just—it's really—it makes your skin crawl watching it, and I—and that's a compliment to mm-hmm. Romero and and King and, and. I think they were playing on that at the end. Yeah, yeah. cockroaches gross. Yes. Was... Oh God in heaven! That oh, Jesus, there was I remember a... that now. Was, now I remember how it ends. Yeah, <laughs> there, there was a um, had an apartment in college, and when we were getting rid of it, we had already kind of moved everything out to the next apartment. But we hadn't gotten every. You know, you, you leave a few things there, and you're a college student. You're like, well, before I actually have to, the end of the month's mm-hmm. up, I'll get everything out. So we went back in, myself and my roommates, to get something out of it, and we turned the light on, and it was like literally watching the darkness, just like. Oh, back. It, was, they were all, it just went scuttling. It was like you watched it all go back into the corners of the room. It was like one of the worst things I've ever seen. Oh, in my that's life. filthy. I was like, I, I, I worked at a school um, down the city one time, and there was a it was a little girl was sitting there, and it was like special needs school. The little girl was sitting there whispering and talking, and look her, and she had the biggest cockroach I've ever seen, just like nestled filthy. in the palm of her hand, talking yeah. to it like it was a kitten or something. So. <laughs> oh. Cockroaches are gross. Uh, it's 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 just a primal fear um, that I don't know vermin, bugs, things like it's that. It's very just sensational invading. too, which I think is the thing that's going on here. Creepshow is Stephen King and Romero's ode to Tales from the Crypt EC Comics from back in the day. They mm-hmm. were always violating the mm-hmm. comics code. The, yeah. Like, oh yeah. Of, <laughs> they delighted in just like crapping all over the comics. And code. good for them. And they and it, and as many gross, creepy things as you could possibly want to see. They 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 shared equal probably shelf space with things like weird science and like hard boiled. So these kind of noir stories mm-hmm. and sci fi stories. So those elements bled in a lot of times. So. Tales from the Dark Side, or not the Tales from the Dark Side, Romero comes a little later. Tales from the Crypt always involves, like, you know, people usually getting their comeuppance. There's usually yeah. a morality play element to it. There's a lot of conniving women. There's a lot of venal rich dudes. <laughs> not all of them eaten by cockroaches. No. But some of them. And uh, characters pushed too far. The kind of Weasley guy who who is pushed to murder. And all these things kind of show up in this movie. I actually think this might also be... On again, it's probably you know maybe not the highbrow choice, but it's probably one of my favorites. Almost close there with Dawn, and one of the reasons I think this is, and I like anthology movies. Chris, you and I have talked about this mm-hmm. before. The idea of like you always want anthology movies to be good, but sometimes we just talked about this. We talked about um, XX mm-hmm. a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. You want them to be good. You want them to kind of like come together. And form some cohesive whole, but very rarely they do. I actually think Creepshow might be the only. I might be off. It's probably the only one I can think of where I legitimately like every single story. Yeah, yeah. and, really and even the good. wraparound story mm-hmm. is interesting. So I feel like that may, in fact, be the only one. Uh, but beyond that, if you take away just the quality of the stories, the 
visual conceit that he set up where he's trying to bring a comic book to life. I mean, mm-hmm. he makes it look like this creep show is a comic book that we kind of go inside and the, the little boy has it, you yeah. know, in his house. Mm-hmm. And the color schemes are very interesting. Yeah. It's very artistic, even though what he's kind of bringing to life is a little lowbrow. And, like, think of, like, some of the panels and the weird shots and almost the expressionistic style of when you have the story where Leslie Nielsen is the old... <laughs> rich dude who wants to, to who has trying to stick it to his wife and her lover who's Ted Danson. Oh, is and that the sand? Yeah, yeah. And oh, you're sitting there yeah, watch, you're watching this and you're thinking, oh, well, this will be a little more light because he's here's <laughs> naked, airplane. naked gun and cheers and yeah, airplane. And you're watching this and uh, it's pretty creepy. It's no, campy it but creepy. He buries them up to their necks and mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's a creepy. It's a creepy story with with moldering corpses, but the mm-hmm. color the color schemes are very uh, evocative of almost like plays, you know, mm-hmm. almost like theater. And I think they they do that best with the first story, like the father's or birthday or whatever. The birthday, the birthday with, with Ed yeah. Harris. Yeah. <laughs> and what do you know? So there you go. The There's birthday. another recycling. The birthday with the yeah. the man who's always screaming for his cake. And again, I want you my have, cake. You have a bunch of um, money grubbing relatives <laughs> yeah. there to get the boozy yeah and um oh, he's I got murder that. and that intrigue. thing comes in the, yeah I and uh that. so it, you could see them kind of warming themselves up the birthday one is probably the closest to a story you'd read in mm-hmm. tales from the crypt it's mm-hmm. not my favorite it, it you can watch that whole thing and still feel like i'm in for a kind of silly cheesy mm-hmm. Kind of kitty horror movie. I don't. I can't remember exactly which one comes next. It might be the Jordy Barrel one, which has Stephen King given a completely goofy, campy performance. Yeah, that doesn't mean that the story's not weird, though. It's no, and creepy. the ending's kind of creepily tragic too. In yes. that story, it really oh, it is. is. It it's is. just it's very... like, like all these weird noises but it just he makes. Creates a whole oh. other world. Mm-hmm. Like it's great. Uh, it, it might not be the best movie. It's like technically movie he's made, but I think it might be the most entertaining for me. Yeah. But I'd say technically it's very well I done. Like, too. I it, think this it's is all actually of a piece. my favorite. It has yeah. a, it, he has a vision. His vision is 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 lurid, <laughs> yes. but mm-hmm. it, he, in a lot of ways, this is one of the tightest things he's made. I think mm-hmm. in the sense of like how it all is of a piece, and each one has its own punchline, and each one works individually mm-hmm. to a way. But to me, my favorite has got to be the one involving the creature under the stairs. With Adrian Barbeau? Yes, with <laughs> Adrian Barbeau and there's the monster under the stairs. That's the one I, the only one I don't remember. When I read oh, the synopsis of that, that's the only one I don't Hal remember Holbrook, of those stories. Right? It's the best one, yeah. Holbrook, yeah, with Hal Hal Holbrook. Holbrook. And, and Fritz Weaver, who uh, he was in a ton of Twilight Zones and he went on to be in a, a classic Tales from the Dark Side with a little monster in the closet. And this is, and, and Adrian Barbeau sitting there and there's you know, there's even scenes of, of how Holbrook imagining her being killed several times <laughs> over. She's his, she's his really um, shrew, shrewish wife. Shrew. I mean, she's a straight harpy. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and but this story of this browbeaten husband is being played against the story of Fritz Weaver, who's his friend, discovering an old box from an Arctic expedition that's been wedged under the stairs hmm. in his university, and. When they start to pull this thing out, it eats the nighttime security guard. Yeah. Whatever, still, there's something living inside the box. And the way these stories dovetail is very interesting yeah, and yeah. kind of neat. Good special effects too. I think mm-hmm. like practical effects, but oh, yeah. neat, neat effects. 
And then you said the cockroaches with E.G. E. G. Marshall, who is kind of hamming it up a little bit. That oh, yeah. one, like it's that. so good, though. I really like that one. It's I, a I, fun I, movie. I kind of want to just watch it right now. So do I. Like, guys, let's shut off the podcast. Let's just Does go this one, um, is this one streaming anywhere? Do you know of? I, not off, my, off the top of my question. head. I don't know. You could probably rent, I'd imagine you could go rent it from Amazon for You can bucks. go to uh, any... Target or Walmart anywhere and pick it up for five bucks. Yeah, this DVD might be bin. something just to it's buy great. because the, re, the totally. I, I think, but I'm gonna say Blu-ray. Well, yeah, I'm just saying. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. just throwing it out there. This oh, yeah, is yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Oh yeah, Blu-ray. Yeah, Creep Show two. Not not so. I don't much. even yeah. remember Creep Show two. I think that's the one with the island and the gunk, right? Yeah, basically. that's the raft is the, the living. Yeah, I though I do remember or the Indian, isn't it? And the tobacco Indian and the hitchhiker. Thanks for the ride, lady. Oh, I don't. That one. They were That one is not is not the best, but I still have a certain. He didn't do that one, did he? No, Romero was not involved. Creep Show one is definitely fantastic. So what Romero was involved in, and we're we're running low on time, so I'm going to get to it. But he did go and produce. Tales from the Dark Side a few years later. So if you're mm-hmm. an 80s kid, you probably have some memories. I have memories of that. A little bit there were some that. good episodes in there. He was What he wanted to do was take Creepshow, turn it into a TV series, and, and he didn't quite have the money to make it happen the way mm-hmm. he wanted to. What he did get was Tales from the Dark Side, and it, ha- it has its moments. It would be an interesting cool concept to bring back something like this to a Netflix or an well, Amazon. Or I, I don't or know if it was with Netflix. Maybe it was Joe Hill was going to do it with uh, the CW. Stephen King's son yeah, yeah, yeah. had written a bunch of episodes for Tales from the Dark Side. Oh, cool. He was trying to, to re-integrate. Mm. Uh, I'm actually a little bit... Well, I guess Netflix has done Black Mirror, but I want to see yeah. Netflix. They need to do something. I think it would be successful. Yeah, absolutely. Successful. Absolutely, yeah. Um, because I think the portmanteau shows, the anthology shows, are successful when they put them on Netflix. Even bring back the Crypt Keeper. Good, yeah. <laughs> That's like... Jen, when she was in college, her uh, her roommate, her roommate's uncle was John Cassier. Which Boys is awesome. The crypt, the crypt yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I like that. Um, what is it? What do we have after? Is that is that Day of the Dead? Then? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I actually, I know we're running short on time, but I will say that that might be my favorite of the Dead movies, and the only reason is, is I, is I, well, the gore at the end is awesome. Like, if you <laughs> oh get, yeah, you yeah, get ripped great. apart. But Bub and that thing of the zombies kind of. Being able to be trained and kind of coming back to their humanity is just an interesting concept for me. Um, you know, without getting too much into it and all that, I just I really liked that kind of that that kind of twist on it because you, you don't. Re- I didn't really think about that before seeing that movie, and it's just it's it's really kind of a neat thing to go uh, or thing to think about. And um, I just I really like that one. It's a tight, compact movie, very claustrophobic. It's all underground and. The, the Bub character is just a really interesting character. Even though it's, it's hard just to forget a, him, the Bub with a zombie yeah. with a gun at one point. <laughs> and like you mentioned yeah. previously, when they were talking about Dawn of the Dead, uh, in this one they have a lot more conversation about like, well, maybe it is our time. To, like, yeah, it's just maybe we are being judged. You yeah, know? this like, one's a little more like the other ones are very like it's the first one's really tense and the second one's kind of like really entertaining and this one's kind of really thought provoking for me. Um, it's probably the most like to me there is a kind of disconnect at some points between the copious amounts of gore not anything wrong with it but it's like this one's where the action sits here and then his social commentary kind of sits over here a little bit like mm-hmm. i don't think they mesh as well no they don't it goes one. back it's very like reagan era i mean this one's straight like <laughs> the beware of the military you know it's kind of back to that kind <laughs> yes. of clunkiness with the I, I i actually never really cared for it was when i was younger watching it like because i thought it just 
wasn't up to snuff with the first two movies. It's grown on me over the years, the bub character, the the effects, the kind of pacing, the fact that like he does try to move the story and the world along. Mm-hmm. Chris, you have any comments on Day of the Dead? No, I uh, I really like it. Um, I'd say Beyond Creepshow, probably Dawn is my favorite, second favorite. And Day would probably be my third or fourth. Night would, I'd say probably Dawn, then Night, then Day. Yeah, but I all uh, like I, them pretty well. Um, Day I definitely uh, enjoy, and I like that it's a gorier, a little crazier movie. I love oh. the mad scientist guy. In it and... But it still is about something. I think it's an important yeah. thing. Is it's yes, a it gore is. film. But it still is about, at the mm-hmm. end of the day, it's moving the story forward. Mm-hmm. I think here, I'll say this, and this is probably going to be true about a lot of the movies that come after this at this point. Romero, even from the very beginning, picking actors that necessarily, not necessarily were always the strongest mm-hmm. actors. But I feel like somewhere around Day, and then going forward, he really has a problem. A lot of his like not-that-polished actors start hurting the movies a lot, I feel like. like I feel like Day of the Dead is hurt in a lot of ways. I don't say hurt like damage beyond repair, mm-hmm. but isn't as strong as it could be because you really feel like you're looking at actors, like kind of second-rate, almost community theater actors <laughs> in some place. Like, I mean, you know, Day of the Dead doesn't have a lot of really strong acting in it, but like some of it's pretty bad, I feel like, like bad B-movie acting. Hmm. Hmm. I don't remember that on there. And again, this is not something. I, I, well, I think this will come up in the next movie we talk about. If oh. the next movie is what I think it is. Is it Monkey Shines? Yes. Yes. God um, in heaven. Because, yeah. I, I, God <laughs> had nothing to do with that one. <laughs> so Monkey Shines. Man, though, I don't know about you, Jason, or about when everyone grew up. But, like, in the 80s, I remember seeing the poster for that thing, the Monkey Shines. And, of course, it looked just like the the the... The cover for Stephen King's Skeleton Crew. Yes. The little monkeys with the symbols. Yes. And they kept calling it, uh, the subtitle's An Experiment of Fear, which I don't think is really appropriate Not for the movie at yes. all. Yeah. And so the basic gist of this, I keep going, I remember there was a really creepy poster and it said something, there was something about uh, the monkey crawled inside the man's head or something and lived. And I was like, that's a creepy thing to say. But I mean, everything about this movie was pitching it as this very strange, kind of unique creepy movie because the monkey that they're talking about is a little capuchin monkey mm-hmm. like it's just a little like what do you call him helper monkey or something like the guy becomes a quadriplegic and they In get a him a little pet hysterical monkey to help scene him. by the way yeah <laughs> i i've never seen someone get hit that daintily by a car do a like a, a wrestling move in the air and then all of a sudden Bricks break flying. everything well that, yeah i wondered if, you know he's running with bricks like in his pocket basically <laughs> and when he gets hit i was wondering well maybe the bricks landed on him and didn't work <laughs> oh, i added extra it, i mean it starts with this dude naked stretching for like a couple minutes it seemed like plenty um, of butt at the beginning that's yeah for sure. it, it just it, it's a strange movie I, I I will fully admit I never seen that. Nathan said, "Well, you should check it out. It's streaming." And I had to stop it halfway through. And I I've never gone back. Glad to see um, a great cinema file there. Uh, I, I just <laughs> uh, do. I I, <laughs> I I just I couldn't do it. I was waiting You're for the something. Ninety nine point five percent full Romero over here. Is yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That, not yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, you. God bless you, man. That's good for you. Uh, it's been a long time, and I didn't really remember anything about it. But growing up as a kid, I just remember the poster and the concept. And I, for years, I always figured that this concept would be 
quadriplegic man gets this little capuchin monkey and it's supposed to help him and then eventually at some point he is helpless and it's him alone in this house with the monkey yeah. and it becomes like monkey misery maybe you know what i mean oh like, monkey misery would be excellent to me that would be a tremendously creepy movie you're at mm-hmm. the kind of mercy of this little thing and it's trying to harm you yeah. that is really not at all what this movie is I mean, when you agree, Chris, it's not... I agree, it is not that at all. I mean, there there is some element of that, but it's really not... That's very far from it's what you like get. It's more like a sci-fi movie where, <laughs> in fact... No, it's more like a Lifetime movie. Well, it's like, like, a no. really good representation <laughs> when Jen said that. I really did feel like I was Yeah, she made that like a Lifetime movie. and It, it, and it, well, this it is, is. It totally And is. talk about the bad acting. That main guy is horrid. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Very stiff acting, which I think was true in Day of the Dead. We may have not noticed as much because the movie's about zombies. And, yeah, I mean, true. And technically, true. we are watching the zombies, and we're not as concerned. But this movie makes it where you got to have a good actor in that role, and he wasn't. Yeah. He's pretty he's pretty terrible. He doesn't seem convincing. When he's a quadriplegic, he's like, well, oh, well. I mean, he just seems to take <laughs> which, it like... a guy that runs with bricks, and now he can't run anymore, and he's just like, they oh, never, I guess it's okay. They, they completely miss. <laughs> Ramiro seems to be jumping from idea to idea. Yeah. He doesn't even linger on how traumatic it should be for this guy it should be that's what i was expecting to get into and he loses his girl to stanley tucci uh, who isn't (laughs) very good in the movie either your girl to stanley tucci that's (laughs) when when your junk doesn't work yeah i guess and um (laughs) hey he can still take care of business jason bain he didn't make it that he didn't make it for that (laughs) scene that was one of the weirdest scenes is this the the guy from chicago pd it is this was early in his career. Uh, the guy that talks like this, like he's smoking 15 cigarettes. But you have to kind of wonder, too, and I don't mean to throw this on Romero, but like you do have to start wondering how much of his way the scenes are staged, because no one does a really great acting job. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the scenes, the scenes feel very stagey. The monkey gives a good performance. Yeah, yes. the monkey's cool. The one time Stanley Tucci does say something to the monkey, like, if you keep that up, I'm going to put you back in the jungle. I'm like, that's where they want to be, you dumb. Like, it's just like all these monkeys are in cages. Like, you keep acting up, and you're gonna go back and live with your friends. It's like hey, the Tucci. Is... I don't think it was Tucci. I think it was his brother. Right? Oh, one brother of them. The brother, the brother decides to start taking the drugs. Yeah, that he's giving. Me oh, that was always a bad idea. You didn't make it that. You didn't yeah, make no. it quite that far. You didn't make it to the scene either, like you said, where he he meets the lady who's helped training the monkeys, and they. They have a romantic moment where with they, the monkey in the middle. No, no, no. monkey's not in the middle, but oh, well, that would be an awkward helper monkey. Oh, yeah. Maybe he would do that. It's a utilization a of his fluffer. his carrying device that they use to put him in the thing. She's got a hold of that. <laughs> hey, if hey, if you're quadriplegic, you can still. It's very. It's like an instructional time. manual on how you can still. Dude, are you serious? Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's no, no, I mean, it's not, but I mean, that's what show. They, they, the Romero, monkey helps him have sex. No, so the no, 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 the monkey's not involved. involved. Oh, okay. <laughs> We're saying it. Now, if the monkey did help him have sex with someone, that might be a better move. This is all getting Oh, my God. Because that would be. Oh, leave it in. It's fine. These are innuendos. <laughs> kind of. The, no. While the monkey is off taking care of Tucci. <laughs> taking and, care yeah, of Tucci. Quite literally. Like monkey vision is one of the weirdest things. Yes. Oh, it's because, terrible! I turned it off. But he's of like vision. psychically, which I don't know if you figured out. He's psychically linked to the monkey. Yeah. And like when he's psychically linked, he gets like his the canines get sharper. He gets angry, and he's and like pissy. baring his teeth like what? an animal. And the monkey is is carrying out his secret desires because it knows that he wants these people <laughs> he's dead. Filled with rage, not those yeah. desires. The, the monkey's carrying out his desires. I'm not. I mean, the monkey goes and kills the people he wants. 
The only movie you're ever going to see where you have a quadriplegic man have a showdown with a monkey, and there's a very interesting kill in <laughs> yes. that final. You did tell bit. me the kill. I might have to watch the ending just to see that. You have to watch the ending specifically for a special jump out moment, if you will. Oh, it was the only Tom Savini esque. They talk yeah. about a Tom Savini's special effects. This movie's very light on the gore up until mm-hmm. the very end. There's two kind of crazy scenes almost back to back. You know what? And here's my final say on this. I thought it was an. In, it's not a good movie. It really isn't. <laughs> no. It's an interesting movie. I'm I think glad I watched it. Though. Idea. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. In some ways, it's a better version of that movie than I thought. When I, than what I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's hard to make a scary monkey movie. I mean, I, this is not a scary monkey movie, mm-hmm. but the concept's interesting. And again, this is one of those movies that almost borders more on drama, a little bit more work. Mm-hmm. I mean, Romero really wants you to kind of like feel kind of bad for the monkey you know i mean the tragedy is like a tragic uh, spurned love story the monkey is like oh, yeah monkey doesn't understand why you know uh, All of a sudden she's care. not that important yeah yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> no no that's that's a, a man uh, and a monkey if only i it. just stopped once it was like you killed the bird or something and then i that nurse isn't like that every was great too romero's movie i was so yeah. thrilled when that bird got killed yeah that bird was like because maybe it was i have no soul but i was just suffocating like, Thank well now that's an element of the movie is like you see all these little elements that are taunting this guy who, mm-hmm. who has lost most of his control the monkey is his like window back into that control so uh, again a more interesting movie could have been made but i think you get that very basic level which is you kind of are rooting for the monkey to <laughs> take care of business yeah so monkey shine's not good not very well directed in some ways i mean if i'm being honest i think it was fine it was i guess what i mean is not a lot of good i mean besides the actual monkey vision not a lot of point of view in terms of like Mm -hmm. structurally not a lot of like if it's supposed to be a horror film not a lot of tension or anything like Mm -hmm. that in it no uh the and the scenes are just weird like they come off as almost uh unintentionally funny instead of being yeah creepy So, what do we have after that? Uh, We have the dark half. And this is why I'm only 99.5% complete. You saw the first 20 minutes. And so, we've we've got another series of starting very shortly after this. It is Stephen King adaptation. So, we don't have to talk a lot about the dark half. And I will kind of save that, Chris. You can see the movie and not feel... Like uh, that's you see, you've done better than all the rest of us. Here. Yes, up yeah. until last night, I was um, trying to finish off the last one I hadn't seen, and that was that one. So I kind of like the dark half. It didn't. It came out at a, at a what I've seen of it. Movies. I liked. Yeah, it's an inter- it, It's not based off of a great Stephen King book. No, it's more like a book that had an interesting concept and didn't quite know where to go with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think I think Romero makes a kind of an all right movie out of it. It's better than a lot of other Stephen King adaptations. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, um, it's it's a little understated. It it isn't. I guess the thing that surprises is like Romero movies, a lot of them, but outside the dead movies, which were so crazy in some ways, they are a little even handed. You know, there are kind of, you know, we talk about them, they, they are kind of more sensible, a little more reserved, a little bit more. You get the idea that the person making them is trying to be thoughtful and not just crazy. Yeah. Um, and then it's a dark half. It's, it's not the worst version of the story um, that you're going to get. So that's 90, what, three? 93. And then there is a, a seven-year jump to the 2000s where it seems like... I think a lot of people said Romero kind of maybe lost his way well, or I think something. there's one in the middle there. Aren't, don't, don't we have Two Evil Eyes? Oh, we do have Two Evil Eyes. Yes. It was 1990. Yeah, so we go back a little Oh, bit. I'm sorry. Yeah, we did. I must have skipped that one. So that's the Poe one you were talking about. Um, I, I like this see movie. That one. 
I did too. Should have watched this. Uh, and it was interesting ago. because the first thing it's on you, Amazon the first, streaming. So the first few cool. shots in this movie, they just go to like Poe's house in Baltimore. In Baltimore, that's pretty cool. And, and it's they very show it to you. Yeah, but then immediately they move to <laughs> Philadelphia, and the two stories take place in Philadelphia. So. One by Argento and one by Romero. Yes. And we won't talk for the sake of time. We won't talk about Argento's. Uh, but my, it's totally out there. You should yeah. check it out. It's weird. Harvey Keitel is in it. Yes. Cool. This one has a lot. This really could have been another episode of Creepshow. Or Easily. Tales on the Dark Side. It it's, feels very um, much like an amalgam of those It's things. kind of a classic yeah. post story. Not as classic as some of the more well-known ones, but it's the strange case of Mr. Valdemar. Yeah. And in, in the basis, it involves this... Uh, wife and doctor who are trying to use hypnosis to get this man to basically sign his fortune over. You know, mm-hmm. get the dying man, and uh, and, and the wife f- is Adrian Barbeau. Adrian Barbeau again, and yeah. kind of like um, as well as the nurse from Monkey Shines. Yeah, and well, E.G. Marshall with the cockroaches. He's the lawyer. Uh, oh. Yep, yep. So there's a lot of faces in this Very one. Cool. It's fun. It's, I'm it's gonna a check fun. That one out. Uh, like it kind of feels like a throwback, almost to also not just. Uh, Tales from the Crypt, but like Hammer, some of Hammer Horror. Absolutely. Oh, cool. So it's neat. It's a cool little this is, is on, there some this on Amazon. This? Uh, or is it more. There's a little bit, and there is a it's little more bit. ghost story, I'd say. Would that be fair, Chris? It is, and then they get some some crazy gore stuff towards the end. Yeah. Or the Black Cat, maybe? Would the be Black a Cat, more... there's a little more gore in it. Yeah. Um, and there's a crazy sequence in the middle where he thinks he's in like some Renaissance era. Land and he gets a spike shoved through his body. It's pretty crazy. Okay, cool. but that's uh, so, Argento yeah. for you. Awesome. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> worth it. You should check it out. All right. Yes, I will. Um, then we already did the dark half. Next would be Bruiser from two thousand. Um, and that's a long period of time. Mm, yeah, between, seven years. Think, movies and to have nothing. And uh, Bru- what do you guys think about Bruiser? I was wavy hand on it. It's it's not the worst thing he's done, no. and it certainly was an interesting story. But it's also just crazy, crazy out there, weird, but not in a good way, kind of. <laughs> like, it almost yeah. feels like at some point Romero's sitting there watching all, watching time and society kind of go past him, and he just looks around at everything going on and says, "You know, it's time for me to weigh in finally." You <laughs> yeah. know, like, and that's kind of what Bruiser feels like. It's like yeah. the social commentary guy has got to weigh in on how off the wall the '90s have been. Yeah, and that's kind of what Bruiser feels like. I mean, it's got a whole rave kind of sequence that goes on for a while. With the, the misfits, misfits. <laughs> the misfits are in there. Uh, Peter Stormare at one point is wearing panties on his head. I have to say, it's the weirdest thing I've seen Peter Stormare doing. He's done a lot of weird stuff. Yeah. That is something to say. Yeah. He's uh, just snorting coke and sexually harassing women the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, like, basically. He he is hamming it up and just not degree. giving it up. He's actually, you know what? He's actually hammier in this movie than he was in Armageddon, where yeah. his big line was, "This is how you fix Russian space station," and starts beating it with a wrench. Yeah, and he's he's more over the top in Bruiser. <laughs> yeah, he. I like the premise. Of so why don't we this? talk about the premise? Because I'm certain there's a ton of people that haven't seen Bruiser. Oh, okay. Well, available on Amazon Street. Yeah. It says, after years of being tread upon and cheated on, a man awakens to find his face has been replaced by a blank white mask. And it literally is a blank white mask. Which it is, looks That is his dopey. face. Like, it's it's not a plastic mask. Like, if you get scratched, it's like bleeding and yeah. stuff. So it is his face. And it kind of, is that in his head? Is that what people see? I mm-hmm. mean, it's kind of ambiguous with that. It's silly looking, though. Can we, <laughs> can we agree on that? Yeah. that like, and that's what I mean about the directing, where like, 
it just is not a good look. Like I the didn't concept, mind it. the I concept really of the mask, but it almost looks funny. Like some of his eyes popping out. Like yeah. he looks like he's like the white version of the Blue Man Group or something. It's, a, it's <laughs> yeah, he point. does it's look like, a little bit like the Blue it's, Man it's doofusy. It's, a little it's bit. the idea that would have worked in a thirty-minute like Twilight Zone short. That's sure. true, and yeah. it doesn't to me doesn't quite work. Jason Fleming, the actor who wears the the mask on. Who was also we saw or didn't see in uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? He played Hyde. Oh, okay, Jekyll and Hyde. Mm. Um, but not a lot going on in Bruiser uh, to me. It also didn't it didn't really drum up much more interest in Romero. He just kind of you know it was a directive. This one I just kind of had to get through. This you know? it, yeah. the first hour I think is good. Once they get to the rave party for some reason, I I don't understand. But why. you were saying, Jason, you kind of enjoyed it as a satire. I like, did kind of enjoy it as a, a satire a little bit, or at least some type of commentary on the fact that. When you're in these high-pressure business situations, you're you're looked at as a nothing. Um, you, you, the bosses treat people like crap the entire movie. Even at the end, uh, another boss treats someone else like crap. Yeah. Um, it's just this guy that's just sitting here just being a, a, a normal, nice guy is basically crapped upon for being that normal, nice guy. And he's just... I think it's kind of the everyman... Mm-hmm. Kind of getting revenge, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, Attached into that fantasy, everybody sort of has. Yeah, yeah. Thing. About but it almost like, does nothing else with it. Yeah. You know? No, like no. It just, it, that's it does, all it is. It literally it really just is. does that, and, and it actually has kind of an interesting thing at first. Like he kills someone, and then the cops are kind of after him, and then and then it just spirals into stupidity. Uh, there's a laser scene at the end that is dumb. <laughs> like a laser, it, a legitimate la- uh, like what military weapons grade yeah, laser at, at a rave. At a rave. <laughs> well, this goes back to the directing thing is the way this movie's directed i do believe and i say this and with all respect to romero you don't there's not a lot of the flourishes of the guy that did night of the living dead and creep show and dawn mm. of the dead in this it movie. is almost a generic it, like directed it, it, you, generic, if you, a generic if you told me that like jim winorski directed it or maybe not that bad but some other kind of mm. like bottom of the barrel director you like no one really I'm just wrong. kidding. Nah. <laughs> if you had said Mick Garris, now he said Mick Garris. There you go. If you said somebody like that's a perfect. Uh, <laughs> nope. <laughs> nothing but love for you, Mick. But um, but but yeah, somebody, anybody. It's like when you see a director, they do something, and you're like, it's almost like they took their directorial stamp off it completely. Mm-hmm. Like the, there's nothing oh, in this movie true. that says this is Romero. No, it's it's stupid and it, and it's it has a little bit to say, but it doesn't do. It could have done a better job saying it. But if you want to see Peter Stormare go completely nuts, it's not a terrible movie. And again, it's on Amazon Prime. I mean, if you have Amazon Prime, you can watch it. But there are better. There you can judge for yourself. I yeah. mean, it's just it, it's it's you're right. It's not a Romero movie. It it doesn't feel like it, but. So, is the next one then Land of the Yeah, Dead? we only have three movies left. And what's interesting I'm here is there's a... To the... Yes. There is a 2000, and then he goes another five years without doing anything. So I think no one wanted to pay him after Bruiser, maybe. I don't know. Um, but you have Land of the Dead, then Diary, and then Survival. And I have seen Land of the Dead. I like Land of the Dead quite a bit um, for what it was. It's not as good as the three before it, but I like Dennis Hopper hamming it up as like the guy in the tower and he's back full social commentary mode. Oh yeah. yeah he was getting at Reagan era politics in dawn of the, I mean, in a day of the dead 
He's absolutely After hitting Bush. up Bush. Yeah. Oh yeah, and, um, it's abs- and the elitist and like the rich people of of basically crapping what on we the poor have people. Now? Trump of the dead. Oh god. <laughs> yeah, my he, zombies are the best zombies. You know what though, Dennis Hopper could be a smarter Donald Trump in this. Movie. Yeah, like, I think we talked about it, like what was commentary on on. On the Trump era, look like, and we kind of came to the conclusion it probably would still look like Land of the Dead. Yeah, <laughs> I built a wall, but um, he did build a wall. That is, right. he did build a wall. Um, the, the the gore scenes were really cool in this. I thought I um, like this. One. I like this one a lot. Um, I, yeah, I thought it was. I saw it in the theater twice. I, I think this was one of the that. first movies I saw coming back after being married after my. Uh, um, honeymoon, and then I think you and I went to see it at like some yes. kind of discount theater up the road here, and it with was a weird a, scent in the air. It yeah, was like kind of stinky in there. Like oh, me, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, like John Leguizamo's in it too. That's right. I Asia Argento, Simon, Simon Baker, Simon right? Baker, yeah. Dennis Hopper, Asia Argento, and uh, those are kind of. And this the, movie does kind of underscore again that the zombies are starting to kind of come out of it a little. Yeah, bit. they like, plan and another, they can, and you see them wandering mm-hmm. off at the end. I, I think towards yeah. The, so it's um. They're very dismissive of these people. They're like these are of these zombies, but I say they're kind of like people. They're like, oh, they can't do anything. These idiots. They're not going to mm-hmm. touch us. We're powerful. We're rich. We're protected, and they're not. So I think this one may be kind of the most straightforward social commentary he's made. Like That's this is true. just like this is what I'm talking about. I can't stand these rich, greedy politicians running things, and this is what I hope happens to them. And I think we're kind of all. All that I will to say is, right you now. gotta love the fact that Land of the Dead has Phil Fondacaro. Everybody loves Phil Fondacaro. Phil Fondacaro's in Land of the Dead? Yes, what? he's the little, like, pimp midget guy. Pimp he was midget? great. Yes! He had a little a purple hat on. I don't see that. Let's, let's, uh, he's not this in the is... top build cast, but that doesn't mean he's there. He has a, it's a small <laughs> scene, but he's in there. They have, like, a weird, like, bar area where zombies fight each other like a cage man yeah and he's in there and he's like he's some greasy wheeling and dealing like pimp guy or something that's right okay you know what's weird this is a kind of off the topic i just want to have time to be off the topic but the other day i for the first time i don't think i'd ever seen before i rented for my kids the black cauldron an old disney cartoon Hmm. and there's a little goblin henchman in that movie voiced by phil fondacaro Hmm. So that's a cartoon I will watch. Then <laughs> it's pretty. And John Hurt was the Horn King. It was kind of neat. It was oh, actually neat. pretty uh, cool. It was. It was definitely not like ripping off uh, Lord of the Rings, but the uh, <laughs> books that are based off of sort of the Lloyd Alexander books they were. Um, but yeah, that's totally off topic. I liked Land of the Dead. I thought it was a fun movie. It wasn't. I think I agree with, with what you guys said that it isn't quite up to the snuff of the other mm-hmm. three, but it's fun. And I think it did well enough. Like, and and, and I think. It was probably helped out by the fact that we just had, at this point, Romero was seeing like his own legacy actually kind of like lift him back up. Probably the ability, the, the reason that Land of the Day gets a big like release is because we've just had 28 Days Later, we've had mm-hmm. Dawn of the Dead, the remake, we've had Shaun of the Dead, mm-hmm. you know, you've mm. got all these movies and then right. Romero gets to kind of come out amidst all these guys. And see like his legacy kind of come to fruition, and, and release a movie, you know, three movies actually, because yeah. you get two more after it. I kind of wish he'd stop with Land of the Dead personally. Yeah, yeah I've never, even, I didn't even know he made these last two movies. I'll be honest, Diary of so the. So I think I don't know if you'd like it, but I would be interested for you to see because you, I think you've I've talked a little bit like. Uh, you're not completely dismissive of found footage movies, right? No, it it depends on if they're so, so nausea like nausea yeah. inducing where they're moving around. So, so this much. would be sort of like 
Romero saying, well, what if the zombie apocalypse happened in the age of the found footage? Okay. And what would that look like? And I think... Uh, Interesting. It's, it's not... To me, it wasn't really all that successful. Mm-hmm. There were some neat things. The Amish guy mm-hmm. fighting the zombies. I didn't completely hate cool. this one. I, like, I thought it was all right. And I think if you're someone who's who's open to the found footage thing, you might might enjoy it a little bit. Yeah, I, it gives I, it an I'm, interesting spin. Yeah, it doesn't really feel like an of the dead movie. I think another but, problem yeah. was by the time he got around to making Diary of the Dead, even the found footage zombie thing was starting to get some spin because mm-hmm. the movies like Wreck were more interesting. Yeah, and then things like that. So, um, but I, you know, I would be interested here to see what you thought about it, Jason. But I'll, so I'll that that, that kind of brings us then to the last one is 2009 Survival of the Dead. Kind of breaks my heart a little bit that this is the last movie he made. It's kind of like the fact that if uh, it's quite, it's getting much, it's getting more likely every day that the last movie John Carpenter will ever have directed is The Ward, uh, which I don't know if you guys have seen is not a very good movie at all. Mm. I did and, not mind that. But it's not very good. It's not Carpenter level. No, it's not like it's another Carpenter. one. Like if you know, I'd be if like, someone else had done good it, job, Eli like... Roth. But I mean, not not Carpenter. <laughs> <laughs> Those are words I never thought I'd hear coming out of you. Oh. I'm not. I'm just saying. I mean, if he had done the ward, I'd be like, oh, it's a Rob Zombie. You arrived a mediocre. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have believed it. <laughs> Rob Zombie didn't make this. Yeah, uh, but I would have believed Rob Zombie doing this one. But, uh, what survival, survival of the yeah. dead? So we talked about Christmas. Oh. I think you're the only one of the th- the three of us has seen it, right? Have you seen it? I think I actually accidentally saw it on sci-fi <laughs> one time. Uh, is this where they're like a bunch of like white trash on an island where it's like <laughs> they're all Irish? <laughs> like they're Are all they like, Irish? like a, they, Are they like, do they keep people in pens? I, and, like, I hope for a, like I because I'm reading that they hope for a cure and I thought they had like these people in a barn or in a pen or something. They may have. That might have been a plot point. I don't remember all of it at this point. I remember that there was really a lot of bad accents, a lot of bad acting. And really weirdly goofy stuff. Like at a certain point, some like military guy's head gets blown off with a gun, and the very top part of his like skull falls back down into his head and like spins around. Like it's really weird and doesn't make any sense. It's that not like Yui Bull. It's of the not dead like oh. it's do- it's definitely not Yui Romero. Bull, that's that's a piece of crap right there. There we go. It's not Romero like you remember him at all. I wish every movie he did started with a bowl movement. But yeah. Oh, <laughs> that would have been great. He should just embrace the crap. He gets paid. I mean, the, everybody, Bay, everyone that sucks should do it. Everybody talks about the fact that oh wow, this is a great movie because the the zombies are really getting back to who they were. Because do people have, actually say that about this movie. Well, I've heard some people who do like it, and they they're out there. I mean, um, the, the zombies are going back to their old lifestyles. I mean, you had the zombie like riding a horse at one point. And I was it like, is interesting he keeps continuing that vein, but if it's not done well, who cares? Yeah, but I mean, it's not exactly revelatory. We've seen him do them do stuff like that in other movies. Land right. of the Dead, it's not like not like Bob the zombie goes go back home, goes back home, and actually starts a part, <laughs> yeah. part of the family. Again. So really, it's like it's just like a rival clan on an island. It's the rival clans fighting each other. With zombies. Exactly right with zombies in the middle. That's horrible, and it's like so poorly acted and like unfunny even though it tries desperately to be funny that i just i, I was very saddened by it I and i should point out i remember that when this movie came out uh i had the pop culture ninja website at the time and you 
I remember you writing an open letter to George Romero. Yes. And like, please, George, stop destroying your legacy. Yes, basically. Yeah, I mean, this one, when I'm looking on IMDb here, it's the only one labeled as comedy, drama, horror from his movies like that. I think it's other than the... And how many stars we got there? 4.9. Yeah, it's 4. also 9. the lowest. But you know what, though? I, we talked about this. I talked about this with... Um, when we had in the um, first review, my how far we've fallen. Mm, so it's kind of accurate. But yeah. ratings, like if you consider that horror movies always get bad ratings. I mean, that one probably deserves it. But like sometimes you won't see a horror movie get higher than a six point five, even a good one. Sometimes That's on true. IMDb, we talked about that with um, when uh, Justin Benson and Air Moorhead, the guys who did, uh, uh, they were talking about how it's like. It seems like you can't get higher than like a six point five. If your movie's great, if it's like a horror classic, you might get a seven. You know? <laughs> well, most of Romero's when I was looking here were in the between six and seven range, okay. and uh, I think it's probably name to be a lot of it. Like, I mean, he's good, but I mean, you, like the horror yeah. thing you're talking about, like. But this one, I think, and I, just... it sounds like a ragged on him, and I guess that really comes to the end. Like you had said, Jason, he was. I think he was trying to get another. He had his yeah. producer name on a couple different things, like uh, I read something Dead he... Time Stories or something. Those were awful. Though. Not not to be confused with that really bad eighties movie, Dead Time Stories. No, he actually, I, I mean, he got funding for another one. Finally, that was like a couple days before death. I read something on Bloody Disgusting saying he finally got funding for another dead movie. But he always seemed like a relatively humble guy. A pretty, mm-hmm. um, he's always interesting to hear him talk about his movies. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and I'm sorry, and he. Uh, he, I, the, the interview they were doing with him, he asked about how he was offered to work on The Walking Dead, but he was like, well, I would, you know, I would, directing a couple episodes, it's somebody else's thing. You know, he's like, well, I would have liked it more if they'd asked me to do it directly, you know, like be the, the showrunner. And he, he's got a point. It's like, you're not writing the, like, the, 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 the show Bible, so to speak. You're just directing some episodes. You're following somebody else's vision, which... Um, given some of the emails we've seen that came from Frank Darabont in his first few seasons of The Walking oh. Dead, he's talking about killing people and throwing bodies out the door. Maybe it's better <laughs> that Ramiro and Darabont didn't cross cross paths. But yeah. When people have this legacy, they're never going to completely tarnish it. You know, you can't take away from the fact that somebody did Night of the Living Dead. But I guess mm-hmm. what surprised me about doing this whole thing of watching some of his movies is realizing that Ramiro, for the most part, he did. He always did try to, I think, stay true to himself. He always tried to be innovative, even as late in his life as the last few movies he made. You know, those were different approaches. I'm not saying they were great. I think he maybe had moved away from filmmaking style being as strong as it was, but I think he was still trying to be this kind of uh, indie filmmaker out there trying to improvise, trying to be innovative. And there's something to be said for that in a world where a lot of people have already sold out. You know, sure. I think you look at I don't I don't see a movie on Romero's resume that speaks to selling out at all, ever. You know, yeah. Um, he always had a very interesting or unique vision. So I think it, it sounds like you know if you got a summary, the takeaway: try to stay away from Bruiser, <laughs> stay away maybe from Monkey Shines, <laughs> stay away from It's Always Vanilla yes. and the Witch but, movie, um, Season of the Witch. Season of Witch, I'd say see the Dead Hungry movies. Wives. Uh, but Creepshow and Martin, yes. I think, yeah. are very worthwhile. And uh, yeah, I don't think you're going to be totally disappointed if you, if you check out the dark half. No. So mm-hmm. uh, that's it for us. Bit of a big one, but... That's okay. I mean, he's done a lot and deserves it. Was good, I think, so that... It was good to kind of go back because I do think yeah. he's somebody that... 
you do it's very easy to just tag him as the dead guy the zombie mm-hmm. guy yeah it made me and... realize all these things that he's done that I kind of want to rewatch now yeah. that I haven't watched in years so well that's it man everyone thanks for joining us and we'll see you again next time take care see ya alright